What's going on, everyone? My name is Chris Tondebold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I interview indie artists, content creators, athletes, and small business owners who share how they continually discover and maintain a balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. In this episode, those darn Seleski brothers are back at it again, guest hosting the show. This time, they welcome author and musician Michael Orzhazowski. They go over Mike's writing, being real good at mandolin, and his ongoing journey as a cancer dad and how incredibly strong his son Lincoln is. This was a really great conversation that spans the spectrum of grief and survivor's guilt, while also showing the capacity of human kindness and resilience. I really appreciate Mike, Josh, and Joe all for sharing. Check out Mike's works available on Amazon under his pen name, MJ Ors. I'll make sure to add all his links to the show notes. Catch him on Twitter at MJ underscore O-R-Z. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. What I was saying was that I do uh, I do a lot of voiceover stuff for work, and it's just me with my, I have my own mic set up and He's everything. He's sitting in a room and... Well, I just sit in my basement, yeah, and I do it, but I have to put on the fake voice, like the, we, I call it the, I don't want to say the name of it for the sake of the company stuff, but like, I'll call it ABC for now, we'll be like, hello, and welcome to ABC. Here we're doing, da 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 and it's just funny, like I have to do the... Do you have to do any like cartoon voices? Like, hi, No, it's... It's not as fun. No, it's all like, all right, in this module, we're going to be learning how to move this asset over to here. So let's go ahead and get started. Have you ever seen Sorry to Bother You, that movie with Lakeith Stanfield? No. He basically like works his way up through this company as like a telemarketer, but eventually is working for like something that's like supposed to be making fun of Amazon, but like the employees perfect like their uh, speaking to white people voice. And it's like very, very formal, kind of like what you were just doing. <laughs> well, what's funny is like, it's, it's kind of neat. Cause I'll, I've talked to people in bigger meetings and stuff. They're like, wait a minute, you're the voice of such and such. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Cause I build all the training modules. So if you're learning how to use the software in my company, is your voice like different characters? Like, do you have like a? No, are you it's pay, just. Are you, paper, are you clipping from it, clipboard? <laughs> no, it was. It was just kind of one of those things where they're like, "All right, we kind of want, you know, we we want a a baritone voice, like a nice deep voice in there." So they're like, "You know, can you can you give us like a good solid, well enunciated deep voice?" And so it just turns into like, "Hello and welcome to Michael ABC dot dot dot." Yeah. So the real question I have is you're telling me you did this for a living and you just watch me fumble through setting up I all totally this. Know. What's terrible is, <laughs> yes, I absolutely did. And I'm sitting here watching. I just didn't want to be rude and be like, guys, I can actually help you with this. I didn't want to be rude. What's what happened last episode with Colin? Because Colin did, you know, similar things. Colin works for my company. He's Colin, I learned how to do this from Colin pretty much. Colin actually <laughs> recorded us too loud. And he was like, yeah, you guys got to do it right next. Chris, time. if you're hearing this right now, I'm still kind of figuring this out. And I've had guests that are uh, fortunate enough said if he's hearing it like he's not gonna have to spend 15 hours editing my voice (laughs) well yeah sorry i probably should have helped but i don't care whatever i didn't want to be stepping on toes and i also do this with all the church setup stuff too so when when we do all the audio engineering for church the same deal and then i do all the editing for that Uh, that doesn't count that's volunteer work i mean technically yeah but i mean volunteer volunteer work work that brought him where he is today 
Yeah, it brought him to our basement. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm living the, the lap of luxury here in, uh, your, in the Glen Burnie basement. You're on the Joe and Josh show. <laughs> <laughs> no longer Ambition Radio podcast, the Joe and Josh show. It's been rebranded due to not having our names involved. No, but we're here with Michael Orzachowski after we've been through all that. Oh, hello. Hey. Yeah. How's it going, man? It's going well. Going yeah. well. Been a busy day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had to return my rental car. Yeah, I have a rental car. So what, listeners? I mean, you have a good reason. You're not God. I've seen the pictures. They paid for reason. it. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, well, I'm like 20, 25 days out of having my car back. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was going to say, we're like approaching a month since you've had the rental car. And I was wondering if they were going to like eventually ask for it back or if like. No, I talked to him about all the, you know, insurance stuff. But was it uh, my was guy it at from least Geico. A sweet rental. Like, was it a good car? No, it was a 2020 Dodge Journey and I hated it. What and is I'm the not Dodge kidding. Journey? I don't quite remember. It's that shit was super nice. Don't let him tell you otherwise. That wasn't it? fucking super nice. My I would dude, try. My, my I would trade my car for that shit in a heartbeat. Then go trade oh. your car in that for a heartbeat. Like, <laughs> it's like an SUV minivan. It's not a minivan, but it's in between. That sounds awesome. No, it drove really slow. My phone never connected to Bluetooth. It Were you racing? Like it's. <laughs> it ate gas. Oh well, that's just fair, like yeah. for no reason. Yeah, just, overall, like. I prefer my 2016 Nissan Rogue. I can't wait to get her back. That's I got to sit fair. in one at work, and I just like I was like, "Oh, this feels good." I don't know about you, but uh, for the listeners, we're uh, we're rich now. It's like we're not really rich, but our friend is rich, and our friend has a Tesla that Josh and I rode in the other night. <laughs> And every fucking car I've been in since feels like a piece of shit. I don't know about you. I have a friend who who test drove a Tesla, and he was telling me about the first time that when he test drove it, going onto the highway, and yeah. them t- being like, "All right, go ahead and let go of the steering wheel," and he's just like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> he just couldn't do it. He couldn't bring it. And eventually, he did, and he was just like, "It's the weirdest feeling." They're like, "Put your hands on your lap. You'll be fine." I'm sorry. I, I don't know what the political leanings of this podcast fan base are. I know we hate billionaires right now. I but, hate billionaires uh, all the time. There's a lot of Jeff Bezos songs. The Tesla's fucking sick. <laughs> I came front. I walked up to it. It was dark. I was like, what kind of car is that? I was like, it looks good. I walk up. I was like, Omar, what is this? And he was like, oh, it's a Tesla. I was like, I'll be right back. I like speed walk to the house. I opened the door. I'm like, Joe, 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 come here. Come here. He's like, what? I'm like, come on, come on, come on. We get outside. I'm like, he has a Tesla. He was like, Joe, he was like uh, Joe gets to sit in it. He was like, we want to go for a ride. I was like, oh yeah, I'm smoking. He's like, yeah, you can smoke in there. At one point, we went out to his Tesla just to smoke cigarettes. He's like smoking <laughs> in a Tesla. I'm like, this. Is- well, it's like Howie, Howie's car is my all time favorite car. Like that, that was always my dream car. Was a late '60s Mustang. Yeah, I thought you were talking about his Ford Focus. I was like, no. damn, dude. <laughs> no, 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 not the Ford Focus. No, the Ford Focus Mustang. is a solid car. You know? I, I've, I've actually like, I can't even say. A car in school. It's no, a Ford I cannot thing. say that the Focus is a cool car. I've gone through three of them. Yeah, then you have to get one and trade it back in. I had one, the transmission blue. I then I got the 2012. I went through three transmissions on it, all paid for by Ford. So thanks Ford, because they no, were Ford having, tough. it was recalled and everything like that. So I would take it in and they'd replace it and it would break again. And I went through three with that one. I was told that it would be better with the 17 model. So I got the or 18 model, 17, 18 model. And I got that. And then the transmission went up in that one within months. And I was just like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm officially done. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do a focus anymore. Plus not to mention, like I wanted a bigger vehicle anyway. So I got the escape because I stuck with Ford and I like Ford. I want a cyber truck, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that ugly blocky <laughs> Batmobile thing is like, are you talking about the lightning? 
the now Ford the, Lightning? The Tesla truck that's coming uh, out. The Cybertruck? Have you seen it? No. Oh, All right, let me pull this shit yeah, up on Instagram. Really quick. Oh, my God, it's yeah. it's, <laughs> it's kind of hideous, but it also looks like the future. Dude, it's like $50,000. Base model, yeah, but like... I mean, it's expensive. You understand that? <laughs> Is it literally called the Cybertruck? Yes. I mean, Joe, that Dodge oh, Journey outside was like twenty six thousand. No, I mean, for the record, the Cybertruck looks fire in my oh, opinion. Oh God, but... no! That's <laughs> <I love> awful. <laughs> you see, I don't know. No, it I looks... think it's beautiful. <laughs> it looks like something that you would build, like if you were like a twelve year old and you had uh, like a PS two. It's like, like an art. It looks yeah, like, like PS two <laughs> graphics. The car, yeah, exactly. Like it looks like you, that. That thing got was rendered with. It was like, in twisted metal black. Less like, than a gigabyte of RAM. I like feel that. like we say that now, but like two years from now, when the Cybertruck is like out on the road, we're gonna like if when you see one, you're gonna be like, damn, the future is now. <laughs> Have you seen the new Bronco yet in person? Oh yeah, it's oh, a lot smaller than I thought it would be. Nah, it's a Bronco. Broncos have always been small. Yeah, yeah. but she's like pretty tiny. I, I I like the Bronco actually. Yeah, yeah. Broncos have always been small. Broncos have been say small. something. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Broncos are the tiniest car on the market. No, it's not. Right? The Your so, brother is in the corner, just like this is not true. Nah, I I always thought the Bronco was small, but however, I I will say so. I was looking at uh, because I, I was looking surely for price point because I, uh, I I'm hoping to get a truck down the line, and uh, one of the things they didn't push with Ford. I'm a big Ford guy. Uh, one of the things they didn't push for, with Ford very much, especially because they did the Lightning, was the uh, the Maverick, and I was like, oh, that looks really cool. Like, and the price was like mad cheap. It was like twenty, like between twenty and twenty five grand. And I was like, well, I mean, it's, I'm sure it doesn't have a great engine. It's not going to be like a V eight or like a, the three five on the V six or anything like that. But I was like, let me look into this. And then I saw pictures. It's a fucking car with it's. It you might as well have an El Camino. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I I remember seeing that and just being like, this is that's not even. Like, it's not even a truck. That's not a truck. I feel like the Ford F-150 is still just, like, the standard. Like, you still yeah. see, like, the old ones on the road in better shape than newer trucks. Like, Well, and that's what, that's what I mean, Krista uh, and I are hoping to to jump on that next. Is, cause oh, they're cars, only, like, $1,200. Oh, one Fords are cheap, Mike. Oh, one Fords? <laughs> oh, God, no. Uh, no, it's... it's well, Don't she's jump got, on the car. You should Ironically buy so, she has a Focus right now, and that thing actually lasted. It's It's more than a decade old now. Was it 0809? Uh, something like that. I want to say I maybe it. it's a 10. Yeah. It's like a 9 or a 10. I feel like that's when they stop making decent focuses, and that's the truth. I, I actually believe you. No, I, like, I, don't, yeah. I don't doubt that in the slightest. And uh, might think it, theirs is, and your 2017 couldn't last, like, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it literally gave in, like, three months down the line. It was terrible. Yeah. But no, like, her, you know, it's, it's just getting older, and her and I want to, we, we want to go out and do a lot of things, too. That's the other half of it is, we we go camping. I I hunt. Have you a thought lot, about getting so. a family cyber truck? No, <laughs> not in the slightest. The I was literally safe. gonna say, have you seen like the videos and shit of like when you open up the cyber truck, like the back of it, like it has like so much space. Like it was literally like there was a promo picture they used. So they sh they showed people camping like with the this cyber podcast truck. is brought to you by cyber truck by Tesla <laughs> <laughs> and apparently Ford, except for the Focus. Yeah, except for the yeah, except for the focus. Bill Ford tough, except for the focus. I love the 150s, and that's that really is what I'm looking at is to get a 150. It's just a matter of look at this shit finding the right stuff. Oh God, that's sick. Yeah, that is it's a big ass. If I won the lottery, I'll buy. It's the Cybertruck with the bed down. It has a covered tent and a grill attached to it. Yeah, you want to be travel? yours for the same price as a mortgage. Like, <laughs> no, they're, like, Mike, they're only like sixty grand. They're not that much. 
That's They're not out. For, you have to for, what, what kind of engine does it have? I've, a I've, Tesla engine. Oh, it's, it's, it's electric. It's electric. Oh my yeah. gosh. Boogie, oogie, oogie. That's why I was so amazed <laughs> when, yeah, yeah, when we that. rode in that shit the other night because it was electric and that shit got so fast so quickly. And one like, block, never... it was like zero to sixty in like one of our neighborhood blocks. So is it? But is it like? See, I'd be interested in knowing its horsepower and towing capacity and such too because that's a. I'm sure. I'm sure it's great. Like yeah. Elon Musk doesn't fuck around with that. Like he kind of yeah. he makes a count. Like I said, fuck billionaires, but the Teslas are sick. Well, no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, but see, the Elon Musk, when it comes to billionaires, though, I feel like Elon Musk, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm sure. He's Joe's favorite billionaire by far. I yeah, think Kanye's he's everyone's favorite, favorite billionaire. billionaire at this point, because, like, he's, he feels Kanye's like a dude a you could at least have a beer with. He's not like, like, Jeff Bezos, I don't think you could have a beer with Jeff Bezos. But I do feel like I could sit down and drink, like, a shitty Coors Light with Elon Musk. He smokes weed. I could smoke weed with Elon Musk. <laughs> you just like Elon Musk, though. It's not even... Yeah, I, I feel like, like yeah, he he's, he's a, a co- neat dude. He's a cooler billionaire. And, it, like, opposed to Jeff Bezos, who made his yeah, money. He's a fucking, fucking weirdo. Like, I watch his SNL. He could have done worse. It kind of... I feel like it normalized him a little bit, but, like... Jeff Bezos he became... He Asperger, so... He was, became a billionaire by putting, like, every fucking mom and pop in America out of business. And Elon Musk became a billionaire by making electric cars that are gonna, like, well, actually, I mean, his the big environment. thing was PayPal. Like, that yeah, was yeah. His, I mean, that's where his money, that was his I bread and butter. I him. I hate him. See, yeah, I like I Elon Musk. I can't get mad at him. And actually, I think SpaceX is pretty cool, too. I'm not even going to shit on that. I think SpaceX, SpaceX is great, and I think that it's awesome. Did that he go to space yet? I know Bezos did. I don't think Elon has. He hasn't gone to space, but he sent motherfuckers to space multiple times. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's also picking up a lot of the slack that we've been wanting to do specific space exploration missions and things like that but nasa doesn't have the funding for it and elon musk has been able to be like y'all don't want to do that well i have the money to do it so let's fucking do it and i just think that's cool like he just he was like i like space i'm gonna go ahead and do the things that nasa isn't space. doing right now it's him just like space like a space poster oh yeah like my man just likes space yeah and that's cool I, I i support that like i like don't get me wrong i know that like within like his as much as he makes in a day, he could like end student loan crisis for, yeah. for the entire United States. But at the same point, at least he's not like blowing it stupidly, like sending himself to space for 11 minutes. That was ridiculous on a giant dick. Nonetheless, like yeah, Jeff Bezos spent himself, sent him spelt self to space I wonder, on a giant if, dick. I wonder if Jeff Bezos like knew that the entire world was going to make Austin Powers jokes immediately after he did this shit. For smart didn't of think a man as he is, I'm sure he had to see that coming. Perhaps he didn't involve big boy. Jeff Bezos could just be like a fucking weirdo lizard man who's never seen Austin Powers either. Like, I mean, I doubt the people that are out here making billions just sit down and invest six hours into the Austin Powers series. Like, No, but he was a normal dude at one point. I mean, remember... The, you got to remember Amazon started out of his garage. So like, it wasn't, it's not like he was born into money. And I will give him that. Like, no, again, I don't want to stand up for Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, if you're listening right now, let's know if you watch Austin Didn't Powers. Jeff Bezos' parents give him like fucking several hundred thousand dollar loan to start Amazon? Probably. See, that's information. I don't know. I have no I'm idea. I'm pretty sure that happened. If that's the case, then I retract my Elon Musk's statement. parents were rich too. So I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. oh no, well, they were wealth, like fucking wealth diamond breeds money. wealth. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, it's very, very rare that you see people who are genuine rags. Like, you don't see a lot of Oprahs. Like, Oprah did not have money. She did not come from money. Jay-Z. I believe that as well. Yeah, Jay-Z, yeah. yeah. Like, it, most people, 99% of people who crack, like, half a bill probably yeah. start it from money. Jay-Z was, like, really selling crack, and then now he owns, like, Rock Nation. And 
fucking he owned a sports team for a while and then true he sold the sports team to start a sports agency which makes way more money than the sports team are you talking about the nets he owned the nets yeah and then he he started a rock nation sports agency and they're like they have some of the most like high profile clients across like every fucking i I thought he's still in the nets no they have like kevin durant and like zion that sounds about right he had to (laughs) he had to sell the nets so he could become like an agent and he's making like way more money off that than doesn't michael jordan own a team now the hornets Hornets, Hornets. that's my brother's team my brother's over here giving his brother owns the the hornets the little devil horns there richard michael jordan a co-owners of the hornets my brother doesn't own any basketball teams. He's on this shitty podcast. It's not a shitty podcast. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not shitty. <laughs> it's dog it. What, Joe make... and Josh podcast live is not entertaining. <laughs> Chris is going to fucking. Yeah, well. I don't care. It is funny though. Happy I will birthday, say, Chris. Uh, all right, happy birthday. It's is not it his birthday? No, I don't know. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say, oh, happy birthday, Chris. But no, um, it is funny though. And I, I kind of laugh. And actually, I am glad that my brother is a Hornets fan solely for the sake of uh, he got my kid uh the starter jacket yeah and the hat and while i know nothing about basketball and i will be the first to tell you better put him in a good school or he'll get beat up and someone will take it dude i hope not uh that yeah, thing yeah. looks so cool like i it's just the colors are dope and yeah. uh, and he likes it too like because he likes blue and it's probably nostalgic because so. like the, i feel like the hornets colors take you back to the 90s just like automatically oh yeah because they're like just, neon as fuck you look at like, it you're like oh little little me i mean i never wore a hornets anything i I really oh our parents I just put on your hornet's gear i'm really go <laughs> i I've never, i don't watch basketball however i will say that's how i became a cowboys fan was because we had i had a thrift store belt yeah. that had the cowboys logo on it and i was never into football and my brother was the one that was like you need to pick a football team and i was like well what do i want to do and i i kind of like the patriots uh, they're my afc because our family is from massachusetts but i wasn't like diehard he's like pick a damn team i was like all right fine and i was like when i was a kid i had uh, a belt that had the the cowboys logo on it and i just liked it because i liked blue i was like five it was blue and it had a star on it i thought that shit was cool and so i chose the cowboys and i've been a cowboys fan ever since do you regret it now after all the time no <laughs> no but i do get a lot of people We're who like are the like, cow girls <laughs> am i right but it's it's one of those things where i do get a lot of slack from people or a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of people give me give me hell because they're like oh you're a bandwagon fan it's like well I chose it because of and like having to explain the I was a kid with a belt story doesn't hold nearly as much like water as a really good like hometown bread type. Well, I'm a Patriots story. fan in Baltimore. It's been tough. Someone yeah, called no, me, I feel you. Somebody that. called me a cocksucker in front of my mom once. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. It it's ba- that's, that's I believe that. That's but... Baltimore football, baby. Meet me in the bank. But... <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> oh, God. And I feel I feel like our fan base can be like rude to like other fan bases also like it's, it was like people that are like are like born and like live around here forever it's like weird to be a fan of another team because our team has like always been good like it would be understandable if like you were like an or like not an Orioles fan because they fucking suck. Oh, yeah, if you like, <laughs> like yeah, if, if you were like well I can't even say, I was gonna say an Expos fan but they don't exist yeah uh, but no like if you're like right now if you're actually right I was gonna say White Sox but White Sox are killing it this year yeah. They're crushing. However, I'm, I, well, y'all already know, and, and especially, especially you guys, but I, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan. Oh, of course. The That's ghosts. A, I mean, I literally have them tattooed on my body. I know so I just I... ragged being an away, uh, away fan hater, but I am a Red Sox fan. What did, what was that, Craig? Shut oh, up. Please. No, they're not. Yeah, I'm holding them. Oh. Yeah. Rest in peace, Joey Jordanson. Yeah. I just found out that during our, uh, our, our Glen Burnie chicken break there, 
Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, that's what our restaurants are called. It's like Waldorf. <laughs> Speaking of Joey Jordanson being dead, Mike, you're a published author. <laughs> yeah, we have to get to it. It's I know we have to get to it. No. Uh, um, yeah, to yeah. my knowledge, you have four published. I'm not going to say novels because I know two are short stories. So I own one. So I have. I own Murmurs in the Dark. I don't want to brag. Is that how you say it? Murmurs. Murmurs. Sure. Yeah, Murmurs I in the Dark. It. I bought that it. Was, thank you. Uh, that was the latest one. Yeah. And that one was actually kind of a big collection with a bunch of new stuff in it. So as far as new material, it's only maybe like six or seven stories that are, that's, that are all new. But then it had selected stories from Andrew and Don't Kill the Pretty One, which were the two prior. So that's three. Three total. Yeah. And then I've, I've published a bunch of short stories for different magazines and different podcasts specifically. Yeah, one being yeah, being an author. So you do work for do other things besides just Yeah, there's a lot more to it than just uh I know you've been leaning more in like the horror direction recently than I want to say anything or have you always kind of been It's always been horror, yeah. <laughs> this sounds terrible. What was the name of the book you wrote that was it was not a horror book, but it was like that like dystopian book yeah, about I, like the I tried my hand with dystopia and No, I like that. I thought it was cool. Oh, I like, hated it and really? I I've taken it I've so that was my first book and it was supposed to be three part and I was just kind of it was one of those things like I jot it down as an idea and then fleshed it out into like 250 pages and I hated it and I put it out there by myself it was that one was completely self-published it took less than a year for me to be like this is garbage and I want it gone and I want to pretend it sounds it never like every existed. author but yeah, but that one was like, and not to mention at that point, like I, I wrote that one under my actual name. Or Zachowski. Michael Zachowski, yeah. And then everything else is written under MJ Orr's, All, But that's all my horror. And I went in the horror direction and I really enjoyed writing horror. I didn't enjoy writing the dystopia. I felt like it was trying to be a, like a cog in the, in the machine of like what was popular. Yeah, definitely. And I really hated it, to be honest. Then I started writing all the short stories. It started with like all the the no sleep reddit stuff and i yeah. started writing for reddit or not for reddit and that sounds pretentious but like everybody writes for reddit yeah writes on yeah it's it's a public sure, forum, yeah. cleveland reddit exactly cleveland yeah. reddit. so i started writing stuff on reddit for no sleep and then it started gaining some traction and then i by the before i knew it i had like 200 and something pages worth of material i was like i'm gonna put it in a book and tie it all together and so that's how don't kill the pretty one came around was just a whole bunch of stories that I decided to mesh one overarching storyline into. And then, like I said, that that was maybe like five or six years ago. I, you know, I wrote Andrew. Andrew was the first one that actually had a publisher. So that one wasn't self-published. And then once the rights were available again on that, I ended up putting together Murmurs in the Dark, which had a bunch of new material and new stories. And I had my favorite stuff from don't kill the pretty one. And I had my favorite stuff from or almost all of Andrew. Cause Andrew was, I was really proud of Andrew. I really enjoyed that. I don't blame that me, especially with a recent release, you know, you have a whole fresh outlet. So why not just keep combining your best material with? Yeah. And I mean, it, it worked out really well. And I mean, murmurs definitely sold more than, than any of the other books. Um, murmurs was the first time where I put it out and was like, this was like, sounds corny to say it was like a labor of love, but like, I just, Everything that's in Murmurs, I actually enjoyed writing top to finish. There was, there's nothing in there that I didn't like writing. Yeah. And I'm proud of everything in Murmurs. All the stories that are in Murmurs, I'm very proud of. It was the last 
book I've bought in a few years. Um, if you guys have listened to this podcast before, I'm pretty dumb if you couldn't tell. So I don't read because I think reading's a waste For of time. Nerds, I'd rather trash burn notice. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that show that I've never seen. So are you still writing stories for the No Sleep podcast? Or no, because I remember like when you, it was like probably before you really got into like writing the horror stories, like I remember you and Rich got super into like listening to this podcast or it was basically like. Oh, I still listen on a weekly basis. Yeah, it was yeah. Telling, telling other people's horror stories. And then I remember the first time that like your story was on there and like we listened to it in Rich's truck. And this is like fucking crazy to like <laughs> become part of something that you're like into already, you know? Yeah, they've done um, like three or four of my stories now. I haven't, it's been um, probably been like a year and a half since I've had anything in with them. I did submit one a long time ago, but it didn't fit with what they were doing. And they, and it's and Olivia White is their, their main contact there. And she's absolutely wonderful. Super, super, super yeah. nice woman. But she, I mean, yeah, she got back to me as quick as possible and was like, yeah. But she was also the one that uh, when my, the, what was the last one that I did? Uh, it wasn't liars. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, it was, uh, Oh my gosh. It's terrible. that I can't remember the name of my own damn story, but, uh, I've also written like 150 stories. So it's, it's a lot of stories, but, uh, but she immediately sent it out. I remember that was one of the quickest turnarounds I've ever had was I sent it. And with that same day, she was like, yep, this is going on. I was like, okay. Oh, search is the name of it. Yeah. And she immediately was like, yeah. She was like, you know, if you want to send any more, by all means, send more. And then uh, I kind of let there be a law there. And it wasn't for a matter of like disinterest or anything. I, I love the No Sleep podcast. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a little breather time and then I'll send it out. And then I sent them a whole bunch of material and they were like, oh, well, this isn't fitting with what we're, the direction they're going in. And if you're listening to No Sleep now, they have a whole um, kind of that overarching thing going on with uh, David Cummings, the, the host. And this really cool backstory bit about him going to like this, this old bookstore and like this, it's a very big mystery going on. It's really, really cool. I highly recommend the no sleep. I know I probably shouldn't be post or promoting other uh, podcasts on a podcast. Gregor, do you need some water over there? You are coughing, <laughs> my dude. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Two podcasts can coexist. We like can get three people other turn podcasts. this off immediately, go over to that. They don't even get to hear. Yeah, they don't hear the rest. If anything, No Sleep needs to also shout out Ambition Radio Podcast. Hey, no Sleep, shout out. We're endorsed by Tesla. What do you have? Yeah, we, we are not endorsed by Tesla. Who's we? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I guess not speak, we. Uh, I don't, I don't, speak, I don't speak for this. This is the Joe and Josh podcast. The Joe and Josh. Yeah, no, I'm just Presented by Ambition Radio. <laughs> I know Chris is at his house like my owl. <laughs> now he's doing good i know his back chris's back's doing better for all you listeners he had surgery right yeah because he didn't have expensive shoes if he had yeezys he wouldn't have back surgery what okay i'm i'm out of the loop i just know he had back we surgery. talked about this on the <laughs> podcast we did with chris before his back surgery it was like a couple of days before the back surgery and we were just talking about you know expensive shoes and like why certain shoes are very expensive and we were talking about how dope it is to have yeezys because it's very fucking dope this is also a Yeezy and Tesla podcast, but yeah, Yeezys will save my back forever and I will never have back surgery. I love it because Chris is as, I want to say, not hateful. He hates every, like he hates everything too. It's like, well, I'm like, oh, you see this movie? I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I hate it. But we can not, we have that like, I hate this <laughs> relationship. But I, I do love Chris. Hey, he seems like a really nice guy. I actually have not met Chris. I've heard a lot about Chris, but I, I I'm he looks like man. Joe, I'll be honest with <laughs> you. For one day when Chris and Joe met, for a while Chris was that guy that I was like, Joe, you're not Chris. He's like, is that the guy that looks like me? I was like, yeah. 
He's yeah. always he's been extremely supportive throughout our music career. That's and so like you, I see him and Rand, he would come see us at Charm City, which is like two hours away. And like I'm like, oh, Chris is here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know job. that I showed this picture to Chris while he was here, but there's a picture I took with Chris, and I think like 2012, probably we took a picture together at a show, and we look like identical twins that are wearing the same exact outfit, basically. Bring like, it up real quick to show Mike for reference. This is the picture of Chris and I. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> That's goofy. He looks just like me in this picture. I mean, I enjoy his podcast. I've listened to Mission. He wanted so. to get you on. It's just convenient because you live close to us. Yeah, I will like, say this is yeah. The I, I it didn't hurt that it was a like twelve minute drive. No, like that was that was yeah. It's not a very long commute. Podcast wise, this, we have a very casual chill setup. You know, it's like oh, yeah, I'm sitting on a couch right totally. now. It makes it makes the few hours go by. Yeah, we have uh, is this we have the Olympics on right now. We do. Yeah, I think it's been a different weird thing on every time we've done this. Last time we watched a home run derby, you can hear Trey Mancini. Oh well, you know, came in second place Sox. though. Go Red Sox. Go Red Sox podcast. Yeah. Hey, no, this thanks is for tuning softball. in to Boston Radio. I mean, I'm okay with that. Ooh. They'll just have anything in throw. the Olympics. No, nah, I mean, what's funny is a lot of the stuff that I actually like think is really cool, like I'd love to see more of are the ones that are like pushed off. So like, I mean, you guys know I hunt and everything like that. They're like competitive rifle rifle shooting. Yeah, you saw US was like number one in shooting. Yeah, we got yeah they gold. They, but they are. did they did the prior Olympics too. That was the first gold medal of the you Olympics last last talking, time. It's what we do, baby. You talking about like shooting guns? Like, oh, we're not. I mean, yet. America happens to be like the best at shooting. Yeah, go figure. It's you know, it's America. Is that what we call it? shooting? It is. It's the competitive best at shooting. shooting. Yeah, look at how many movie theaters. We're not uh, no, no, not doing that. <laughs> oh, I say America being the best at shooting is like either an insult or a compliment, depending on the context. Yeah, the situation. That's kind of why I was like, oh, I'm in the Olympics, it's cool, and every other thing that we're the best at shooting, it's not a good look at all. No, but I, it's one of those things where it's like those people have worked really, really hard to get there, and they are, and like they're Olympians. And that's, I mean, competitive shooting has also been in the Olympics for more than a century. It was one of the oldest, it's one of the, or not oldest, maybe, I guess maybe since the contemporary Olympics. But it's been around for decades and decades and decades. So why are competitive Olympic shooters not in the military? Why were they not forced to be in the military <laughs> by the government? So so I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm like a diehard fan of competitive shooting enough to be like, oh, I know their names because I don't. And no, then you'd maybe have that's too much downtime fault. if you were in a competitive shooting. You should be out shooting. But maybe some of them are. You never know. Some of them might be vets. Like, they, like, you never know. Like, how can you see someone hit a bullseye and be like, I don't want this guy on the Bin Laden team, you know? Like, well, he's dead. There is no Bin Laden Well, I mean, team, like, so. in, whoever we're going for <laughs> this these guy days. This guy thinks like, Bin Laden's dead. <laughs> sheep. <laughs> Good Lord. But no, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I definitely, um, yeah, I, I, I would have liked to have been able to watch. I think that it's kind of cool, like. Like I said, I'm a hunter and I I, I, I enjoy shooting and yeah, it's terrible. We actually talked about it like one time because I like asked you if I could go hunting with you and like I want to go hunting really bad, but I know that I'm like the literal worst person that you could like bring hunting because I like oh, couldn't. I, I could. I would be the worst. Yeah, I said you would be worse than me, but like yeah. having to be like quiet for like a long ass time and like <laughs> I can't I can't smoke a cigarette. <laughs> I can't smoke while you hunt. Am I allowed to be on my phone? Um, like, I mean, that's a that's an iffy topic. A lot of people do smoke. A lot of people. Don't yeah, care. I would fucking. I'm so good at smoking. I would smoke. I mean, I'm not gonna pretend. I I mean, I literally put my cigarette out to shoot my buck last year. Like <laughs> that's a real thing. Well, I was gonna say. I remember when yeah. I asked you about this years ago. You told me that like 
deer would like not come near if they smelled cigarettes because they knew that like something's like wrong if it's yeah, cigarettes so burning. If they, yeah, if they smell anything that's off, they typically, you know, they're when it comes to fight or flight with animals, yeah. deer are as flight as they come. They don't they don't want to fight anything. Their their defense mechanisms run. So a lot of people are really against smoking. I I when I started hunting, I didn't ever smoke. And then as it progressed, uh, maybe it's just the fact that like I stopped caring about it as much. But then as I would see deer, <laughs> I, like, there have been plenty of deer that I have been sitting watching while smoking a cigarette in my stand. And this is not promoting smoking by any stretch if anyone smokes. Oh, this podcast is also promoted by cigarettes. We <laughs> love smoking. Can't, can't, yeah, sponsored by Camel. Speaking <laughs> of smoking cigarettes real quick, I just had to get this off. I saw somebody on Twitter. I just pulled it off and this dude on Twitter just said, unfortunately, unfortunately smoking looks extremely cool and sexy. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good at smoking. Good on you. But no, like, I mean, but like I said, my, my biggest buck uh, was my buck that I got last year. And I 150% was sitting there watching it uh, through my binoculars and I had a cigarette in my hand and it approached right where I needed it to with that within 30, 35 yards. And I literally put my cigarette out to be able to shoot. Now, what were you smoking? Oh, cigarettes. I, I don't, I don't. No, I meant what else. kind of cigarette. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I didn't, like, yeah, I didn't no, think I, you were smoking that yeah, Reggie. Smoke, until, no, no, smoke no, no, no. I do not <laughs> smoke anything. Other, like, I didn't think yeah. you smoked the Reggie until now. I don't. Uh, no, I, I <laughs> unfortunately still smoke cigarettes. What kind? I, I smoke camel menthol. Nice. Joe and I are Newport men. Smoking is sexy. Do you think a deer <laughs> would notice if we we're smoking weed in the stand? I have never tried it. I have no interest in trying it. My cousin could get KB. He goes to another school. <laughs> yeah, but if the deer smokes the Reggie, you can come on the Joe and Josh podcast. <laughs> Next no, week, I, I've on never smoking, smoking beer on from a tree stand, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. Uh, there's also a whole uh, big, uh, you know, you don't ever want to be intoxicated with a weapon. Like, there's that bit of it as well. It's the same reason like, you don't drink. I mean, what are you going to tell me what to do? I have a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that's a, that's a hard argument to fight, but <laughs> he's still geeking. You can get Reggie Bush. So I'm Googling right now, can deer smell marijuana? Just I have to know. What is it? I feel, I mean, yeah, they can definitely smell. I mean, it says, when plants are small, the smell and taste of the cannabis plant is sweet and inviting to deer. They say, <laughs> they say gas it up in the tree stand. Uh, no, I will not be. The more you know, if someone, if you didn't learn anything from this podcast that you do know now that deer do smoke KB from my cousin <laughs> who goes from, to another school. Goes to another school. <laughs> He's had sex with over 15 girls. He goes to another school. Smoking cigarettes in the tree stand. Don't smoke cigarettes, period. Have you thought you about writing a children's book now about a deer that smokes the Reggie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did. Uh, so Krista got me a, um, for Father's Day, it was a book about all about hunting. And it was kind of, it was one of those things where I was really excited, uh, like initially. And then I was like, this is like really kind of like, I, cause I don't like with Lincoln, uh, my son, my, my approach with hunting is like, I definitely, you know, firearms and my bow and everything like that or because i'm 99 bow hunt i very rarely go out firearms hunting i think that's masculine more masculine um no honestly the big reason is longer seasons and i have a, a crop damage permit so i can go out and hunt like i could i could wake up tomorrow morning and go hunting whereas yeah. it's and this is the middle of july which is very much so not in season and that's with my bow yeah so and it's more convenience but then at the same point uh it's also more fair and i'm not a sport hunter by any stretch everything that i've ever shot has gone into myself or my family's stomach like i like we eat 
everything and i have a freezer specifically for my venison that i i harvest do you ever make jerky out of it yeah give us jerky i don't have any currently i'm actually down to my last like i'm under 10 pounds left from last season so i need to kind of jump on that that's one deer got you all this meat one deer got me my last deer got me between like 50 and 60 pounds holy shit well, that's why, I mean, yeah, my buddy, so I, I typically go out with Jason Carter. You guys know Jason. Yeah, yeah. Jason Carter, and we go out, we kind of have a, well, A, if you have a regular license, granted, like I said, we have the crop damage permit, so it's kind of different, but with a regular license, you can only shoot a very finite amount of buck. Typically, it's one buck unless you have a stamp that says you can shoot a second buck, and then doe, there can be variances to it, but a lot of times doe are, I don't want to say it's unlimited, but you can take out as many does as you need to. Uh, with the crop damage, we're encouraged to take out doe because it, they either going and eating crops from the farmer's field. So the farmer has a permit for us that says we are there to eradicate pests, essentially. Um, and we also have done other things within seasonal boundaries because our permit does not extend to other specific animals. So we do help with um, gopher and coyote. Which, okay. uh, and those are only within fur bearing seasons and stuff like that. We, we, we are very ethical. Huh? Can you eat coyote? You can eat any of these animals. I mean, technically you could. Uh, have you so eaten we, coyote? I have not eaten coyote. No, but I mean, like no, a, we, the cavemen definitely ate coyote. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I didn't even feel dumb asking the question because I didn't know if you could eat coyote or not. I, uh, you never see Yodi on the menu. No, I believe that you could eat a coyote. I just don't know if... I, I just haven't had the opportunity. I tell you what, if I, if I get one, I will make sure to have it butchered and bring you some meat. I want Yodi jerky. Yeah, I, I, I only did... So it. we only did that I don't like calling them coyotes. I like calling them yotes. Yotes, yotes. Aren't they? You just you can call it a coyote. Is that was that? Yeah, I call it a coyote. There's an episode of Baskets where she's like had this dog the whole episode, and at the end you see, and she's like, "Yeah, can you help me get this dog out?" And it's just a coyote the whole time. That's horrifying. Coyotes, dude, they're big. That was one of the things that surprised me the first time that Jay and I actually saw them. We saw them on our cameras first. That was what kind of made us nervous. Was that we in our you know from our cameras that are under our tree stands and there were a ton of them and that's when we actually had to go to the farmer and was saying like hey you know you have coyotes because she has dogs and they of course have like chickens and geese and everything like that on top of all of their crops and granted the 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 oats don't go after the crops but for the sake of their dogs and we're all dog people and you know we love dogs and then of course like i say they have chickens and geese and stuff and a coyote will destroy the whole pack yeah i mean and we and it wasn't like we just saw one like we saw quite a few it was like up to like half dozen of them and they're good sized coyotes and it was it was a weird hunt like um, it was something like i've never i've never done anything like that before and i actually ended up having to call dnr and make absolute sure what the legal boundaries were because i didn't even know and it's one of the very few times i've i genuinely had to call the department of natural resources and be like i have questions for you how long how much time you got like i need to know what to do and they were actually i, I tell you what uh <sighs> dnr was really cool about uh, at least in Maryland, Maryland DNR was really, really great about like informing us and telling us what we could do. And I actually contacted Austin's, which is the 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 deer butcher that's around this area. And we needed bait to bait out the coyotes. And I, when I told him, like I had talked to DNR, we're going out and we're doing on a permit with coyote hunting and things like that to help eradicate. They gave us, it sounds really gross, but essentially their waste bin of all their dead deer shit like rib cages and like all the crazy butchered yeah. slacks of junk so we ended up lining this field with how nasty this shit smoke in my ford escape awesome loved it 
yeah it was it was pretty gross i mean but they were super cool about it and they just gave it to us and we're like here you know take it have a good time in austin's are i mean they're also very I, I i fuck with them a lot so did you get it in coyotes or no no um we saw a few but they were out of range and even when it comes to taking care of pests like i said jay and i are very ethical hunters so we follow the law to the t and then on top of that like i said we're, we're not sport hunters so we don't shoot any just anything like it has to be within certain limits certain boundaries and we follow the rules pretty religiously we also don't shoot anything that we're not 100 percent on if i'm not absolutely positive that i'm going to take down a deer before i shoot it i don't even bother i won't even draw my bow until i'm like okay you are right where Dead i need to you right. to be yeah. you're, my, you're my deer now yeah like i don't like i've i have unfortunately lost one deer where I shot it and it ended up running off property and I still tried to, to track it down, but it got out and got away. I mean, it haunted me for years because at that point, like you just the shot one that like, got away, the one that got away. Well, it wasn't even like a crazy deer or anything, but it was just like, I felt like a terrible person. Like I just ran a broadhead through this animal and it ran Yeah, and I felt awful. Like I just heard a creature for absolutely. N- I didn't get any meat off of it. I think it's crazy. It's that you feel like a bashing it, you know? because it wasn't that, but that is, you know, the, the style of hunter you are you know well yeah i mean you're that's, not and, for sport you're hunting for someone yeah i don't do collect it. i don't collect heads i don't do anything really? i will oh, say you like, should start giving me your deer heads <laughs> so i can wear them and scare the neighborhood so kids. i did and my 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 big buck i did keep i kept the i kept my last my my buck i did keep is that the one that we use that is the one that you use in your music we, video yeah we, we did His use mike's deer head in the in the test stream video yeah. Jay, the chick with the thing. That, yeah, yeah. My, my, that was tacos. Yeah. That was my, he, we, we named it tacos because we turned them into tacos. And she even, I talked to her and I thanked her for doing it. And she was like, I, I think was sick. I had good energy. For, so hey, maybe you I, killed I, her. I don't good energy I mean, I guess this I, skull. I mean, maybe Mike killed her, right? But maybe yeah. that's just some piece of Dude, that was an old deer too. And I mean, real shit, that skull got to be in a fucking music video. So it's true. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, no, that was yeah, tacos. Of, of our life. band from Joe and Josh and the Joe and Josh shows music video. What? <laughs> Well, it's hanging above my whiskey bar now. Hell so. yeah. Our music video is on YouTube. I know. You can see this deer head on YouTube if you want. Yeah. Google give, give Joe and Josh live podcast. <laughs> test stream Sasha Cinema. <laughs> <laughs> they know what's up. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was actually a really weird deer too. Cause it, it was one of those things that, oh, a lot, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to deer hunting and we can get off this topic uh, shortly, but like, one of the things people don't realize, I get a lot of people who are like, oh, how could you do that to a deer? And they don't realize that the alternative for a deer, if you don't hunt them, is pretty fucking rough. Like, because what happens is it's not like they lay down and die peacefully. What happens is those six coyotes that we saw, eventually the deer get weak and they can't defend themselves and they try to run from coyotes and they get outran and mauled. That's what happens. Like you don't, they don't just lie down peacefully and, you know, butterflies encase them inside of a little cocoon and they lift off to deer heaven. That's not how it works. Huh? I thought that's how it worked. No, not quite. Whoa. And so like for, it makes for, me feel a little I bit got better. A, I'm I got not a few lie. questions I thought, about deer heaven. I thought a lot of these deers would have like grandkids and shit. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you, no, well, and that comes with the ethics. Like, like Jay and I don't shoot yearlings. We don't, if, if a deer is under a year old, which is remember they live to be about five, six years old. That's it. So if they if they are still young enough, and especially like if you see a buck and they have uh, what's called spikes, which is just little antlers and stuff like that, showing that they're pretty young, mm-hmm. we don't even bother them. In fact, it's funny enough, uh, we had a spike that essentially charged Jay 
last time we went out. And when I say charge, I don't mean like it came running at him, but it was probably about 30 yards from him, which is really short if you if you actually measure it out. Um, and it challenged him. And Jay's just sitting there with his bow. We're on the ground. We weren't in tree stands. Um, we were just doing what's called stalking, where you kind of follow a tree line and you you can follow a pack up until you get close enough to shoot them. And this uh, a spike came up and puffed its chest and got real big and stared Jason down for a solid. It must have been 10 to 15 minutes. And we didn't realize it, but he had fawn. So baby deer, you know, like two or three of them behind him and they were laying in the grass and we had no idea. But we're just sitting there and we like Jason could have easily shot this thing. If we were not ethical hunters, that was dead to rights. I mean, he could have thrown his bow at at the deer and hit it, you know. And Jason's a great shot. I've watched Jason get heart shots from 35 yards, which if you ask anyone who shoots a bow and bow hunts 35 yards, a heart shot with that type of precision, Jay is a very good shot. So like, you should enter in the Olympics. And, and I, I know, right? It, archery, I believe, is archery. I mean, they fucking would have softball. It's crazy that yeah. we got all the no, way, but like, all, all the way here from we got all the, the way Olympics. here from talking about the Olympics. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but like back to what I was saying was the the one deer that the tacos, the one that was in your music video, hashtag Shout out. Joe and Joe jo and Josh love podcast. I've heard him say it. It sounds good coming from him. <laughs> that with that deer, you'll notice. I mean, so I only have the top of his jaw. Like I have his skull and yeah. his antlers. The top jaw, but he had no bottom teeth when I got him. He was so old. He was probably about six years old and he couldn't eat uh, because he had no teeth left to grind, grind his food. Yeah, and so he was going to be dead. He would have been coyote meat in a matter of two, three. That's weeks. a really good name for a punk band. Coyote, coyote meat. meat. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he would have, he would have, he would have been chum for them in two or three weeks. It, that yeah. it, Cause he would have starved himself to the point of being too weak to run. And then the coyotes would have taken him. Yeah. So, like I like to, I I know that there are always going to be people who argue that like, oh, it's super unethical to hunt no matter what. And it's like, look, the way I always look at it is, you know, when I go hunting, I use every single thing that comes from the deer. And then also what's important is it's not like I'm out there like overkilling, like I'm not shooting five, six, seven, eight deer and getting 400 pounds of meat or anything <laughs> like that. Jay and I have our own agreement of we like our first two deer go to us. And then beyond that, we donate and it goes to homeless, which is kind of cool. Like that you no, give 50 to 60. Is. When was the last time, you know, someone who gave 50 to 60 pounds of meat to a, a doing homeless something charity. you yeah. love. It's, exactly. Like for me, like that's totally worth yeah. doing. And, you know, we pay the, the processing fee for it as far as like butchering and stuff. Cause we don't butcher our own for the sake of, I can't where I live. Cause that's, you know, yeah. that's Anne Arundel and, you know, Baltimore, but, and then Jay, are there like laws about butchering your own deer? So like you have to take it to these places or like it's more of a what are your neighbors like thing. So like it, I would be very hard pressed to find somebody who would do that in Baltimore City. Like the deer that I shot when I was living in Baltimore, I most certainly had taken to a butcher because there was no I, I we it was a town home, a hundred and something year old town home, and there's no where was I gonna butcher this deer? Like we're talking like that's such a mess and you have to hang it up somewhere. And a lot of people don't want to see a, a, you know, a deer split from top to bottom, just hanging by a hook. Like a lot of people are really put off by that. And that's totally fire. Like that's fair. I know a lot of, it's the same reason. Like, people fire. <laughs> not fire, fair fire, but, baby, no, fire. but like, you know, a lot of people, I totally understand. A lot of people don't want to see an animal hanging and half baseball. We're watching. It's, it's softball, man. But anyway, but uh, but no. So, 
it kind of matters where you are and what your, your neighbors are like and what's kosher for the people around you because you don't want to offend anybody and it's the same reason like when we go like if we go hunting like you you gut your deer in the field we always bring a change of clothes because if we want to jump into rural farms and you know get get a soda or something afterwards i always don't want to be covered in blood yeah well no literally yeah yeah. and that's something they even teach you when you first do all the safety courses and stuff they're like always have clothes with you because you're gonna offend people and people are gonna be upset if you walk into an establishment covered in blood i I feel like that's a rule anywhere yeah i feel like if you walk into no shirt no shoes no pets no blood on you yeah that's very fair you seen that sticker no no i have not but we can make one we should yeah the joe and josh podcast present that <laughs> coyote meat the this, band speaking of coyote meat you're also a musician on top of a hunter and i am a musician yes over 12 years ago you were featured in drum magazine tell us what that was like <laughs> that was a long time ago was it ever 12 years ago uh, it was 2007 so yeah it was no yeah, yeah it was 13 yeah. years ago but it's impressive i've never been in drum magazine yeah i haven't uh, featured a little bit don't want to brag on the joe and josh podcast it was cool yeah. And how many different bands would you say you've played drums in? A lot. I know. Um, I'm a wrestle Andover. Andover a was a big times. one. And Andover was with Jason, the guy yeah. that I hunt with, and you know, Brian, Dave, and Steven. Awesome dudes and love them all. And then it was Andover, and then we had Echoes, and I played with Loving the Live for a bit. And then we did Birds of Paradise, which is still one of my favorite projects. And I know it's my brother's favorite project. He he talks about I've talked That's to BZ. I've been like, hey, what's up? Let me oh, yell. I love BZ, I was yeah. like, let me, let me yell on your shit. Because he did the, the sideshow cinema work for me. It's oh, upstairs. did he? Dude, the, he's so talented The first now. EP. I messaged him and I was like, what can I get that's like a physical thing? Like I was going to get like a mask or one of the things. But I have the original artwork from it. When I got it, it's actually, it's a lot lighter than what it turned out to be. But yeah, I have it. It's like an 8x10, like actual collage. He, he has this really, really cool avant-garde art style to His, him. especially these days he has this oak cedar oh, it's check it out it's in fact like, actually bringing things full circle uh bz brian zolkowski for those who don't know bz did the cover art for murmurs in the dark yeah there you go yeah. check out bz we're both involved yeah no he, he did the the cover art the woman standing in the field and it's one of the creepiest pictures ever and it was the perfect book cover for yep. that for that novel. Murmurs and in the Dark by MJ Ors, yes. our guest. It's on, on the Amazon. Joe and Josh I know, podcast. I know we've trashed Jeff Bezos a lot, but Mike's book's on Amazon. It is. You, and you the other places too. You can, get it, you can get it through like Barnes & Noble. I want to know which one of you, how you guys split my money when I bought it. Who? who Jeff Bezos you and, and you, I? And, you and Jeff. Me and my you boy and Jeff. Buddy, you uh, buddy I tell you Jeff. what, he made a whole lot more off of it than I did. I I'll made nothing. I lost. I came up short. I got a book out of it. I thought you great. got a book out of it. Well, that was, I did. I did get a book. Yeah. No. Um, Do you have any no, books, they, Joe? They, Do you own any books? No. I have a lot of books. When are books. you going to legally, at what point of success, like selling books, would you consider legally changing your name to MJ Ors? Never. I like my name. Yeah. I mean, yeah. MJ Ors is kind of hard. Just ORZ is a very hard last name. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I go, it's funny because I. Not that there's anything wrong with your like 17 <laughs> letter last name. <laughs> 11. <laughs> It's funny because, so in my family, the only people that have ever called me MJ is my brother. That's it. Uh, who's over here now? Rich is like, here. He just doesn't have yeah, a mic. He, he just doesn't have a mic. Rich, say hi, Gregor. That's, 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 that's how Rich talks. <laughs> yeah, that's how he said. I'm Richard. Yeah, he's my dead uncle. Do one of your voiceovers for him. Let's all do our best Garfield Rich impression. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but no, like, so he's the only one in our family that's ever called me MJ. 
and that's kind of where the, the the name came from and i only call him his name is richard but i call him gregor because that's his middle name and uh, i am telling him your government name you know so i've always called him gregor and it's kind of funny because there are people that uh like when i've done other podcasts and especially stuff like uh, nerdy nomicon with robbie palmer um which is a great podcast as well i highly recommend them He's awesome. Robbie's a great, great dude. I still get Christmas cards from him and we talk often. Uh, he's a big Magic the Gathering player and we, we like all the nerdy stuff and Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. But anyway, um, so I know. So like he still refers to me as MJ and I have to kind of correct, not correct him, but say like, dude, just call me Michael. Like call me Mike, Michael, whatever. Like that. You should change your name to Michael Jordan. No, there's already a Michael Jordan and a Michael B. Jordan. You should be Michael J. Jordan. Michael J. Jordan. <laughs> Michael J. Jordan. Did you guys see Space Jam 2? No. I, I, Josh did. But there's a bit. How do you know I did? Well, I was going to say, I think you might have I actually, watched it with him. I'm, like, I'm no, kidding. I think you were actually, you were out of the room for this part. You went upstairs. Don't but excuse me. It's like halftime of the game and they're like about to lose. And uh, one of the Looney Tunes is like, guys, I figured it out. I was like, I know who's going to help us. <laughs> No, like he's like Michael Jordan, and you see like a shadowy figure like enter, enter the locker room, and it's Michael B. Jordan, and they're like, "You got Michael B. Jordan instead of Michael Jordan." That's terrible. Like, that's an actual part that happened in the movie. That's fucking ridiculous. I'm also not, and this is a mad hot take, and I know that you guys are gonna hate me for this. I don't care much for LeBron James. I don't respect LeBron because I think he's a sissy. He's the fucking goat. I'm not saying that he's not a great basketball player. I just think he's kind of a. I don't know. I, I just mean, don't like can, him. He took a year off. Is he it because a, he's in bed with Disney and communist China? I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> no, that's like a legit thing. Like the crazy, like, uh, I don't know why exactly it is, but like the crazy, like QAnon, like Republicans are oh, like God, no, super no. anti LeBron James. Cause apparently like something he he's tied to Disney who has ties to China. And like, apparently like, LeBron James like refused to like comment on this thing that happened that like he was just you know trying to save face but basically like people thought that LeBron is like these people think LeBron's a legit like fucking communist like leader like secret oh, undercover no. spy up what part of that Warner Brothers commercial called Space Jam 2 that came out gave that away what what part what part of that Warner Brothers commercial Space Jam 2 gave that away dude I yeah I I, I will not be seeing Space Jam so speaking of LeBron James you play mandolin I love these transitions. Yeah, so these sec- really these segues are great. Today. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, yes, I do play mandolin uh, quite a lot. Actually. I went on your Twitter earlier and I think it said mandolinist. Is that the proper term? Yes, that is the proper term. I mean, but if you do, that's crazy. I can, can't play fucking mandolin. I think it's exotic. No, I, I love playing the mandolin. How many, how many instruments do you, could you, like if you're on a podcast, like the Joe and Josh podcast, and I was like, how many instruments <laughs> do you play? What would you say? Uh, proficiently. I mean, I, I played drums forever. That's been my main thing and still is my main thing. Yeah. Uh, I would consider myself pretty good at the mandolin. I do play with my brother in the holding tide with the mandolin. And then, of course, you guys know, like with my church and everything, I play drums and mandolin there. I play a little bit of piano. I would not call, call myself a concert pianist by any stretch. But you can, yeah. But yeah, if you, you know, gun to my head, I can play a couple tunes. Same thing, like even like... I like notation wise, the violin is the same as the mandolin, but I don't have any technique with bowing, like using a bow. I did it in elementary school and it is a, it's an art. You gotta, I can't do it. Like my brain goes to like remembering like Gary Urice doing it. Yeah. I know you guys know Gary. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's just phenomenal. Dude's a prodigy. I remember thinking it's like, I could definitely do it. And like 
do like again gun to my head i could play a tune or two and then just watching gary go and i'm just like yeah no i don't i don't play the damn violin i know a handful of chords on the guitar mm. so that's kind of cool that's fun oh, uh and i'm learning i'm currently learning banjo which is my new endeavor that i'm actually like spending time on sitting down and learning but i'll tell you right now that the banjo is one of the hardest instruments i've ever how many strings are on a banjo what is it, like 12? five well they have four and five strings how many are on a well, it, don't don't some Eight. banjos have like an extra string that's like halfway down the neck yep yeah yeah that's the five string why did they design it like that do you know like the legit reasoning behind that that seems like uh it's uh, like drone note i i don't know all the theory behind it and anything like that i haven't i should just google that shit i already googled if deers like weed on the podcast i was like yeah you're like, <laughs> and the si- like this isn't the craziest thing you've i got googled pictures of the cyber truck camper and pictures of me and chris and find out that yeah, i don't, like I don't know all weed. the intricacies of the history of it i'm just kind of learning right now it's learning like the finger picking and stuff like that which is just re- it's so incredibly difficult and uh it made me really respect people who can play it proficiently for all of our listeners, we deeply apologize that our guest doesn't know the entire history of the banjo. This From is done bottom. to keep the side of the <laughs> neck free of obstacles. The banjo is a drone instrument, meaning that it has at least one string that isn't played melodically, but instead played at the same time over and over, creating a droning sound. See, I did say dr- I yeah. mentioned the drone. Joe knew yeah, that off the top of his head. Thing, yeah. You could tell he wasn't reading it by his tone. Yeah, banjo is very, very difficult. It's something that I'm still learning a lot. But it's very hard. Like I said, a lot of respect for people who can sit down and play proficiently. Now, do you have a favorite mandolinist? I know that's a, but there has to be someone that. Chris Thiele. I mean, he's probably, I would consider him to be the best in the world. The yeah. LeBron James of playing the mandolin. You could say he is the LeBron James of playing the mandolin. No, he's, so he plays with the Punch Brothers. And then he also does a goat rodeo with the very famous Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Uh, the cellist. He uh, he owns one of the very few uh, 1927 to 1929 Gibson Lloyd Lawyers, which is the holy grail of mandolins. He is. How much does it cost? Thousands. Uh, about quarter mil. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What, <laughs> to a, what, a, a very you know how good many cyber there. trucks I could buy? Like, <laughs> you could buy like two and a half cyber trucks. Cybertruck. What are what the are, fucking Cybertruck. What are those uh the violins that are like insanely like Stradivarius. Stradivarius. Yeah, they're like million dollar oh, well, that's and Yo-Yo Ma's cello is a Stradivarius cello, Yo-Yo which Yo-Yo is Ma. worth like one and a half million dollars. Probably worth more than that actually, but I I don't don't quote me. How Yo-Yo many Cybertrucks could I buy with, with, with a Stradivarius cello? cello? Yeah. But no, and then he also uh, I mean he Googling won the MacArthur it. Genius Grant. Solely for his mandolin. You want a genius award? Literally, yes. It's called the MacArthur Genius Grant. Well, it's that's its informal name. It's got a much longer name from the MacArthur Foundation. That was already long enough. Do you think we could get the genius award, the Joe and Josh podcast? What's funny is there's not even like a proper nomination way for it. Like the way that that grant works is like you have to essentially someone from the inside of their foundation has to look at you and be like, you are worth giving half a million dollars to. And that's what they do. And they, and it's every year and they pick like a whole bunch of people within their very specific fields and give them like half a million. And it's just no strings attached. Like here's half a million dollars for being really fucking good. And the whole point is to like help support them so that they can focus solely on their art. It's like, and for, for Castile, I mean, he was also the host of a Prairie Home Companion which turned into a live from here, which is a really, really famous uh, radio show based out of uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And he, yeah, he's, he's all around. Like he is the, I hate saying it, but he is the LeBron James 
of mandolin playing. And then second would be like Sierra Hall, who is uh, again just wildly. Would you say popular. he's one of your favorite artists of all time? He's. Would you yeah. put him top five? Who are you? Like top not in order ranked, but like five musicians or like bands that have inspired you. Um, life. So Chris Thiele definitely in the top five. Uh, weird one on this one, but I've always appreciated his music as a whole. But Giacomo, uh, the opera, the opera composer. I, everything he writes is just stunning. I hope and you had Silverstein in this list. Silverstein is not in this list. <laughs> I, I hope do you love like Silverstein. These very what about, amazing. Census fail. Census fail is one of my. Who's your favorite, favorite band? Um, top three favorite bands because you pick from that's different. So like, hard, yeah. Uh, I mean, if I was just to go with like contemporary music, it's, it's so hard because a lot of the stuff I listen to. I mean, I listen to everything from country and bluegrass. I listen to a lot of bluegrass and stuff. So like. My brain immediately goes to stuff like I listen to a ton of Randy Travis. Do you like Lil uh, Baby? Do I like who? Lil Baby. I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But but no, like I uh I, Dub Baby? Dub Baby. I There's don't know. Who, I don't know what that is either. I'm assuming it's a guy, a rapper. Listen, we've been above. Yeah, fuck Lil Baby. Or Dub Baby. Didn't the baby be an asshole this weekend at a yeah, I have no idea. Whatever, we carry on. Randy Travis. Uh yeah, like I, I really like Randy Travis, and that's one of those things. Like Lil Baby. So, we've covered movie. a lot of topics. Yeah, we've covered a lot of stuff. No, uh, like Randy Travis is one of my favorites, but I also like it's such a weird juxtaposition. But no, like Census Fail is probably one of my absolute favorite bands of all time, contemporary wise. And then I really liked uh, Cinematic Sunrise. Uh, the Wordless is still probably my favorite song of Holy all time. Shit, I haven't heard that band. Name. Yeah, I love. Oh, I love. And uh, and he just came around, and he was at uh, Autobar. Yeah. And I didn't realize it until the day of, and I wish I would have realized it sooner because I would have absolutely got tickets because he did stuff from Cheerios and Cinematic Sunrise. He's tall as shit. He's like six foot six. Oh God, I didn't know that. I've never seen him live. Same with uh, the guy from Taking Back Sunday. The vocals from Taking Back Sunday, it's like a shooting guard. He's like six six. See, I can believe that. I can absolutely believe that. What's his name? Adam? Adam Adam Lazar. There it is, yeah. So I forgot, I just pulled this up, but the price of a Stradivarius cello is $20 million. Holy shit. The price of a cyber truck is $39,000. For the price of one Stradivarius cello, you could have 512 cyber trucks. <laughs> Thank you for that, Joe. <laughs> I'm going to buy a cyber truck and get VIP tickets to a little baby concert. Yeah, so you could you could literally like... Do you think a little a, baby has a Stradivarius? You could buy all my neighbor's cyber trucks. <laughs> no, I don't. I The only two Stradivarius is actually know of... Uh, is is yo-yo ma and okay. <laughs> apparently little babies uh slime like but and um oh, what's his name um joshua bell i think his name is not drake bell no very different what a fall off for drake Truth. Bell. yeah that was, that was rough talk about childhood uh getting you know stepped on there <laughs> but joshua bell is a very famous violinist and he has a stradivarius on loan they don't own them so yo-yo ma nor bell own their they're on loan from institutions. That's no. important to notice or note. When is the institution going to sell the Stradivarius? Probably and never. Tried it in for 500 cyber trucks. Probably, <laughs> probably when it's time for Slime Language 3 and Little Baby wants to play one. What? <laughs> Who is Little Baby? Like, is that actually like a... A, ra- like a rapper that probably had like the best year out of anyone last year? He's a, is, he's a rising star. What are some of the songs I would know? None. Okay. Close Friends? No. Oh, Drip Too Hard? No. Jip too hard, stand too close, you're gonna fuck around and drown. No. Off this wave. With featuring Gunna. Did he feature Randy Travis? He fucking Randy Travis wishes. <laughs> Man, I told my mom that Paul McCartney did a song with Kanye and she cried. 
And she said, why would he do this? And I said, to, to get relevant, Ma. Oh, Lord. I do remember reading about people like, whoever this Paul McCartney guy is, Kanye is about to make him famous. And I'm just like, that was the taste of vomit in my I th- mouth. I think it was, it was always a joke that, well, I'm sure there's like one person out there that like really thought that, but like. It's like Ozzy Osbourne was on a Post Malone song and people like, people like this Ozzy guy is going to blow up and like Mike co-worker was like, those are fucking no, Ozzy has been around. Oh yeah, no. Oh, God. Nah. Bruh. It was very bizarre that Post Malone got not only Ozzy Osbourne, but Travis Scott on the same song. It's got to be the only uh, Ozzy Osbourne. what Ozzy. song was that? It's a song called Take What You Want, I believe, that was on Post Malone's last album. It's a really good song, but he has, like, Ozzy Osbourne do the hook of the song, and it's Post Malone, Travis Scott, and Ozzy Osbourne. See, I didn't even know Ozzy Osbourne was still making music at this point. He's going to die soon, probably. Oh, God, that's dark. Um, <laughs> yeah, take already what you want. while I said it, but, yeah, he's going to, he's not doing that hot. No, but I, it's, it's one of those things I didn't think he was doing music. I mean, that's great. Good for him for jumping on with Post Malone. I will say, like, that is one of the things I definitely uh, don't pay a lot of attention to is, like, hip-hop music and stuff like that. I uh, I typically don't. Like I said, most of my stuff is either on the... the I don't the, think you have to tell our listeners that you don't listen to hip-hop after the conversation. We've that's all I'm going to No, you're absolutely... That's, that's very fair. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone of, is surprised. I think they... Yeah, I think they figured out at this point that I don't listen to a lot this of hip-hop. This guy plays mandolin and doesn't listen to Lil Baby. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I play mandolin. I don't... Our I don't guest really. will be like, MJ Orr is from not listening to Lil Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. But I... Yeah, no. I'm not a huge hip-hop guy. Mostly bluegrass. Um, like, I, I love metal music. I, you guys know that because I played in metal bands. Yeah, your animals in our music video. Yeah, my dead deer is in your. your yeah, that's what I'm saying. Video. I'd rather so, be a dead deer in a music video than an alive deer not in a music video. I guess if you have to compare it, yeah. I mean, especially the condition that deer is in. Yeah. So on top of playing mandolin and killing animals, you're a father. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes, I yes I have a, an awesome five year old dude. An awesome five year old. Luckily, uh, you are a cancer dad. Yes. For any yes. of those soft of heart, and we're going to get there. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky conversation, but yes. He uh, was a cancer dad. People, He's no longer a cancer dad. Kind well, of. Uh, yeah. I feel like we, and we'll get there. I think you're not out of the woods for a few years. Is that correct? Yeah. So he, uh, he had his no evidence of disease back uh, August 30th, 30th, uh, two years ago. So this August will be two years where he is no evidence of disease, but he was diagnosed uh, November 24th, 2000 and he's getting big. I'll say that he is getting big. Yeah. Now, what type of cancer did he have? I am kind of not, I'm not too familiar with this whole process. So don't mind my ignorance, but that's why no, I, no, no. Hear, I, uh, and, I, and I mean, you and I spoke before, yeah. before this and everything. I told you like, ask questions. Cause the thing is a lot of people don't know about it because they're scared. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like the only way people are going to be informed is if they ask questions. Yeah. I, cause I mean, I didn't know about any of it going into it either. Like, I don't obviously. think anybody expects to learn about it. You know, no, it's just kind of, it's something you're forced to learn. Like, it's not I something remember, you I get. was with Rich the day you found out. What was the date you found out? Cause it was November 14th, 2018. Our mom passed November 1st. I remember yeah. it was not long after our mom no, it was passed. Two away. weeks. Yeah. Two weeks almost exactly. Yeah. And I remember. So what type of cancer was he initially diagnosed with? Well, so he, he had only, he only had the one diagnosis. Well, so the, not to elongate it, but. So the cancer was uh, stage four, stage four neuroblastoma, specifically stage four high risk neuroblastoma, neuroblastoma. So that's a, it's very, very high stage. And it was, it was scary because uh, it was one of those things where I remember I was at work and it was horrifying because I'd been with my company at that point, maybe two months, two months and like a week and a half. So like 
something like that, like two months and two weeks or something like that. And one of the things I will, I have to shout out uh, Tech Systems for this, my, my, my employer, because I was standing with my boss when my ex-wife Megan uh, had, you know, texted me and called me saying, hey, this is what's going on. And I was standing there with my boss and I remember looking at my boss and uh, telling him, I was like, hey, they found a mass in my kid's stomach and they're sending us, they were initially going to send us to Children's Hospital in DC. And then we asked if we could go to Johns Hopkins because we lived in Baltimore rather than in, you know, DC. And this seemed like something we were going to be traveling to a lot. And, yeah. and Hopkins, everyone knows, you know, the Johns Hopkins Hospital and they are yeah. world renowned. So uh, it's not like we were, you know, taking them to a lesser hospital or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, Children's was closer at the time to where I think we're, well, maybe not even where we were then, but where either way, Hopkins was our, our yeah. optimal choice. And we went to Johns Hopkins and they let us know there, they're like, there is a mass. It's interesting because you really want, you so badly want definite answers right away. And that's just not what you get. And I mean, they told us like, yeah, there's a mass. It's growing. It's bad. Things like that. And we're like, okay, cool. What is it? And I remember. What could we be dealing with? What are you yeah. like? Give me a word that I recognize here. Yeah. Well, that, and that was the thing. I remember sitting in the room when they told us, like they sat us down after the scans and everything. We're sitting there and you're fighting back tears, but you're also in shock. Uh, I remember them sitting us down and talking to our families and uh, Megan and I specifically. And they were like, they would not use the word cancer. And that was one of the things like I remember almost begging to hear like, like I, we all know what the elephant in the room is. Just someone fucking say it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're, you're standing there waiting to get punched in the face and the anticipation of that punch. Don't bullshit me. Yeah, like, just just give it to me as straight me. as you can. Yeah. And I understand why they do that. Cause they don't want to sit there and be like, by the way, it's cancer. And then for some reason, somehow the test was incorrect and it's not, they don't want to sit here and give you say like, okay, this is you, they have your kid has terminal cancer. And there's so much like different yeah. types of cancer, but the cancer, the word, yeah, you, you know, just need you need, it's uh, unfortunately it sounds you, harsh too. cancer. It does. Know? Yeah. It's, it's awful. It's disgusting. And it's, and you just so badly just, you don't want to hear it obviously, but like you, at that point, everyone knew it was cancer. And we all like, but no one would say it. And that was one of, I remember that being really, really difficult. Finally, when they did say, and I, it was actually Megan who I will, I will definitely give her credit was the one that kind of, cause I kept, I remember I kept asking if it could be something else. Like, so we and saying stuff like, so we don't know that it's X, Y, Z. And like I said, I was, I was really trying, I, it was a weird mix of begging for it to be anything different. But also, if it's going to be cancer, say it. And Megan was the one, Megan, my ex-wife, she's the one that said to me, she's like, Michael, it's cancer. And I didn't, at that point, I didn't need to hear it from a doctor. I, I, I was just like, okay. And that it's, was yeah, when it, the stone dropped from my throat to my stomach. Mm -hmm. they, and I, I'll give it to Hopkins. They, um, I mean, they went right into creating a plan. Once, once someone dropped the damn C word, like that was, uh, then that's when we were able to start planning and stuff like that too. So. And it was horrifying because you're sitting there and they're talking about, all right, so we're going to do this for a year and this for so long. You're and it's like, these time frames and, and you're just like, holy, and it, 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 it felt, I mean, I can't imagine my poor son. Like if he was able to understand, he, obviously at the time he was this, two. It's not the same as your partner or even like we had to deal with stuff with our mom and a lot, all, you know, parents dying, but like at, it being your kid is a whole different thing it's like you're the yeah. you're his protector and you oh yeah are, and that was you're scared and what do you you know yeah there's nothing you could do 
Did you have to tell him? We did. Yeah. And we had to, and that was, that's really hard. And trying to explain that to a two year old is already difficult, but then like explaining that he's going to have to go through what he has to go through. And there's actually a ton of papers written on it and things like that. I'm like what you should and shouldn't explain to your kids as far as their treatments. And Megan and I both agreed. Um, even like I said, we, her and I, you know, obviously we we were not together at this point, but we had agreed like that we were going to kind of keep it real with him for the most part and using, you know, using verbiage that's appropriate for him. So we, we referred to it as his cancer buggies and that was what was in his body and that we had to get yeah. these things out and that he was going to be going through all these treatments and things like that. And that was, that was the worst of it was um, trying to sit and talk to him I about imagine, yeah yeah like talk to him and well, like, not just breaking down and like oh i did well did? it's and what was what was weird about it is you're you're in such a state of shock i remember like there were definitely points i cried in his hospital room and you don't want your kid to see you crying especially and maybe this is just a dad thing it's not and i'm not sitting here trying to be like oh like dads and moms different emotionally blah 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 that's not what i'm getting but it at. Is, this is from your point of view so yeah uh, but like i for me like as a father it's like like you said i'm his protector and he he has always looked up to me as daddy da- his what he always says to myself and to krista and to my mother and everyone is daddy fixes everything and uh ooh, i'm choking up here as i'm talking about it. but like daddy yeah, fixes everything that. and so when daddy can't fix something you fucking break dude. oh i can't imagine yeah. yeah like it's we wouldn't cry i with our mom, you know, it's not the same, but even just relating with Joe, the first, when we got the news, I remember Joe started crying and she looked at me confused. And I was like, I don't know. I was like long day. But the fact that she wasn't worried that he was crying totally like set me off. Well, they always say with like kids, like when they fall and stuff too, like they say to like not overreact, like when a kid like trips or something. Cause like if they say, see you freak out like, yeah, it's, it's, it is. I remember when we got the news also, the same as he called, I was doing a job at Sakura and he called me and he was like, something's wrong with mom. And I could hear it in his voice. And even same with the news, they kind of got straight to it. But outside of that, they were like, it's kidney failure. And yeah. it kind of gave us, uh, we had two options and it wasn't up to us. And even, but it was tough questions. I had to ask my mom. I, one day it was her brother and I, and I was like, are you ready to die? And uh, to say that with a yeah. straight face. And she was like, she shrugged and went and nodded. And I was like, cool. And that's such a weird, weird situation to be in, to, yeah. to have to ask. And then you'd be like, okay. And me not be like, no, think about it. I'm like, you're you a, to you're, be a, you're a grown ass woman. This is your call. Like, well, yeah, and you have to be strong in front of them. Like I was saying, like with, you know, there were definitely moments where I was, I would break down in my car. Well, that was the thing is like, I, I remember like, you know, while I'm in this hospital room, I would not cry and I did everything I could not to cry. And if I did, if I had to let it out just a little, there was a bathroom. So I'd go in the bathroom and give myself Try a minute. Keep it quiet. Yeah. And like, you just like, you know, you bite your, your tongue. Face, yeah. yeah, exactly. And you just grit and bear it. And then, and then I remember there were so many times. And I mean, this was, when I say so many, I mean, it was every other day. I was there every day with them. I, we were the, we were at ours about four to five days a week. If we could, yeah. I imagine you're a seven, six, it, seven. It was, it was, there it was days. very often. Yes. Yep. It was pretty much that drive and, becomes a routine. I don't know if you, sometimes I automatically make the drive. Yep. I'll be going, I've hit yeah. exit. I've hit that exit twice. And I've been like muscle memory. And yeah. I'm well, like, and yeah the when time you do day, that for, you know, you know, a year and a half, like, yeah, or more than that, like, yeah, you, you, it's, it's a just muscle memory. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a part-time job. But there were so many times where, like I said, I go in the bathroom and let it out a little bit, but then I would excuse myself and go to my car and I would just go in, in the parking lot. And I mean, when I say scream, I mean, scream and punch my steering wheel and just cry. And yeah. 
free like full on like there's poor people in the like the, par- like in the, in the parking garage probably thought it was a fucking yeah. loon but like or i they say it a lot or they say it a lot and they probably I'm, I'm guessing, yeah. If you're have in you a, seen Fifty Fifty with Jason Go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen? I have not. Uh, Joseph, Go- Joseph Gordon-Levitt, they're best friends, and he has cancer. Yeah. And about eighty percent of the way through the movie, he just accepts it, and he's in his car, and he just starts Breaks. beating his fucking steering wheel and screaming. Yep. And you'd probably see that and be like, oh, "I get that." Yep. I mean, it was one of those things where we, like you said, like there were so many times where I would go to my car and just punch the steering wheel, and I was screaming, I was crying. And it was, yeah, it was devastating. And and you think that like it's you you see that stuff in the movies and whatever, and you think like, oh, that's really like over dramatic. It's not. That now, is just yeah. such a deep rooted. Through the process, did you find yourself? I know we feel the way. Your two favorite cold brothers from the Joe and Josh podcast. <laughs> At a certain point, I you definitely swing it. It's not that you get over, it, but you kind of become emotionally numb to it. You know, it's more of a routine you than just anything. Get used to it. Yeah. It's a shitty routine that has a weird smell. Well, and that's and that's something. I mean, I literally it, yours it is sadder because it's a children's hospital. Oh, dude, that was terrible. The thing is, it's it's a wonderful place that they do wonderful things, but you also have to remember for terrible that, reasons. Yeah, for the worst reasons, and like every kid that you see, if they're there and they're living there and they're staying there, like Lincoln was, they're not there. They're not there for a doctor's appointment, man. Like they're there because they, it's everything there is life or death, and it's it, it's really hard and you would see kids in the playroom one day and you'd be there with your own child in the playroom and that kid's not there the next day. Yeah. And it's just like, well, holy fuck. And then on top kid, of that, where, where their friend is. Well, yeah, and, and, and it's just like, and you remember that that could literally be you. Like I remember, I still, it's not even, I remember I, st- I literally still do this. And it's weird because I've, it makes things down the line so much more difficult, like including, so like my, my son is five now and he still sleeps in bed with me. Uh, before his cancer diagnosis, I, he never, never once stayed in my bed. He was always in his own bed. And a lot of people give me shit about him, not give me shit, but like, especially people who know me and know my situation. But it's like, I still wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats and I reach over and put my hand on his chest or on his stomach or feel for his pulse because there mm-hmm. were definitely days where it's like you wake up in the hospital and if you don't feel your child even breathing your son you, could die a few yeah. times and you sw- it's not it wasn't once there are times where you get better and you go back down and you've been you've been told so many times that you know your kid probably isn't going to make it yeah exactly and it's just one and of those things where like i still you know almost two years out now i still wake up in the middle of the night and i you know i have to feel for his pulse just to make sure that he's okay and it's something, and then, I mean, I'm not ashamed to say, like, it's also something that I had, you know, in, originally sought out therapy for, because I would also have, like, I mean, and when I, this sounds really terrible, but I'm going to call it what it is and say it what it is. I always looked at, um, and I feel almost bad saying this, but, like, I always looked at stuff like PTSD as not a cop-out. I don't want to use that word, but, like, I never took it seriously. Until you have it. Until you have it. And it's one of those things, I remember... um, so, you know, during all this time, I, I uh, rented because cancer is also very fucking expensive. I rented out my home and I moved back in with my mother and stuff. And I remember there was one night I was sleeping in my bed. I shared a bed in my mother's attic with my son when he was able to be out of the hospital and able to be in, you know, at a normal house and stuff like that. Because remember, he, with his immunocompromisation, you have to have very specific rules and things of that nature. It, it was a while before he could even get home you know and at the time my home wasn't even my home i was living with my mother because i was renting out my home to be able to afford 
to take and you're care not of him. there. Why, why would you? Yeah. And you well, know? that was the other thing. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I mean, I stayed at the hospital, so it's. I, I literally was. You're sleeping wherever you're. At. Wherever your home is at this yeah, point is bed. where you yeah. can crash for exactly. a little bit. Exactly. And then you wake up and you go right back to the hospital. Yeah. And my work was amazing. Oh, that was. I did want to ask I, about the work. The work balance with all this. Well, yeah. So I actually I gave the biggest shout out to Tech earlier, uh, Tech Systems uh, in Hanover, Maryland, but they are Elkridge, Hanover area. I think it's technically Hanover, but they were amazing with, I remember standing with my boss, like I said, the day that I got the, the call and everything like that. And I kind of got off track there. My boss looked me dead in the face and was like, why, why the hell are you here? Get out of here. Go, 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 go yeah. get to your kid. And like, they were the coolest about it because they went above and beyond with making sure. So like I said, I had been there for two months. There were no, like, we did not have, this was before COVID, obviously. So working from home really wasn't a thing. Uh, they immediately got me set up incapable of working from the hospital and i worked from the hospital I'm, I'm a software engineer software developer um web developer all that fun stuff whatever you want to call it. I'm, a, I'm a technical nerd and so they ended up making sure that i could quickly and easily have access from the hospital and i worked from the hospital sitting on my laptop i set a desk up on the windowsill at Johns Hopkins and I would work my, my yeah. shifts there. And, and a lot of people amazing. aren't that fortunate, you know, no, to be, and, and that's one that, you know, you, you, I've been grateful for in this. Yeah. It's the, yeah. You see a lot of, especially with dads, you see a lot of dads who um, come in late and they, the stigma is always the night shift. And I actually really hated that because it makes it sound like we're only there to watch the kids sleep. And a lot of dads get dis like they, they get thrown to the side a little bit there. There's definitely a lot of stigmas and some it's of the, the support only time groups, you get, you know, well, it, for a lot of dads, that is the unfortunate truth because to be able to afford to, to, for these treatments, they, somebody's got to work and somebody's got to be at the hospital. And unfortunately there are kids who also, they don't have either parent and they have to get left with nurses and that's even more heartbreaking, but you, there are a ton of stigmas and a lot of them, even um, with some of the support groups, cause I did, I did join a couple of the, um, dad you know cancer dad support that was yeah. of course you know and you and that's the other thing is like stuff like this you can't i learned very quickly that you cannot handle things by yourself you just can't like if you try you're going to fail yeah. period you need help so i did seek out that help um with the support groups and then like i was saying before i know i kind of ran off on it a little bit but i did have uh, i did seek out some therapy as well for the sake yeah. of uh, i remember there being the one night when i was staying at my mother's like i said and waking up and i look over at my son this was after treatments and he had started growing his hair back and everything like that and he was for i don't want to call him fine but you know he was doing much better and you know the fear was starting to to dissipate and thing not it's never dissipated it's still very even now as i'm sitting here yeah. it is horrifying you know especially with covid and everything oh, oh the, yeah the, we, two, the oh, two years he's out of that dude you get to spend it now pandemic oh Oh, dude, it was, it's been hellacious. I'll get into that get, in a put minute. Put that boy but, in a bubble boy. Put yeah. Him, uh, put well, he was so used to it. I mean, that's, yeah. he, we hadn't, we were doing masks and hand sanitizer far before it was cool. Straight up. And it literally, it, the weird thing is nothing. When, when that happened, nothing changed because we had to, his, his, you're already his working family, from home and not going anywhere. Yeah, his family. I mean, we, that his family extends to his mother and her family and myself and my family. And we all were in such a, a groove of having him be immunocompromised, meaning everyone around him had to essentially be immunocompromised. Everyone around him had to act a certain way with, you know, you can't go out. You can't do certain things. You have to wear a mask. You can't be you have a, to, a normal kid. Yeah. And, and you so can't be normal adults. That's the other thing is like we, we you know, we can't ordered food in and stuff like that, you know, with all the, the different grocery options and things like that, because we can't risk getting sick. If you get sick, 
you can't be around the child. And as a father, like there so was no way I was getting sick. Quarantine life. I li- I've been I've been in quarantine for three and a half, four years or whatever. Yeah. Now. Like that's four years. Like I'm not like, and it doesn't even shock. Do you think basically. COVID's real? Yeah, of course. Oh I'm yeah, I, y'all know up. I'm super. Uh, I'm super. I mean, you guys, the two of you know oh, very much. I'm pro vaccine. Oh, I got the vaccine the second I could. I got the second one. Dude, let me tell you how fucking long it took for me to get. I was. It drove me mad that it took. How long forever. did it take? Huh? When did you get yours? I was one of the first this people. Year, it, was, it was like you get March, March or April. Are you serious? I got yeah. mine in March or April and I'm poor. Dude, I'm I, poor I mean, I'm, I'm not, uh, I guess very, but Holy like. shit, mine was but, free. I got it at the Raven Stadium. Meet me at the bank. No, I, I drove all the way out to Hagerstown. I had to drive a hot minute to go get mine. It was, I'm surprised that with your job, he got it early. I got really lucky. Because I'm a teacher. Well, no, they've they made us go back to work and like t- the teacher's union like demanded that we like. Oh, Joe went at the system. teacher's union. Hell yeah. Oh, Joe versus nah, the teacher's union. I what do my, you think? I had my shit in like January. Get at me. No, that's awesome. I, I, I think I've been vaccinated. Can my brother kiss your son on the Joe and Josh podcast? No. Yeah, I don't know. Only for the sake of the. <laughs> well, there's a Delta variant. So I still yeah. wear my masks everywhere I go. I, you know, like that's just a thing. Yeah, and and Joe, don't worry. There will be a day where you can kiss my kid. It's okay. On the show. Um, on if you want to bring him on the show to give him a kiss, I'm What's I'm sure show? that'll that'll be strange. Sunday, but we can hundredth episode special. That's <laughs> <laughs> Joe kisses a child. Well, we have um, <laughs> ninety eight more episodes to go, boys. Yeah. But yeah, like like I was saying. Oh, and I keep trailing off, and I'm so sorry. But I'm yeah, sure like I, you know, that night I I woke up in the middle of the night, and I remember. I physically pushed my child away from me. I, I pushed him away while I was laying in bed. He was laying next to me because when I woke up, I remember opening my eyes and seeing like it was a hallucination. And I saw him with no hair and with his tubes and his uh, what's called a Hickman, which yeah. is the um, a central line that goes into his heart that came from his chest. So we called it his tube. And I remember waking up and he had already had it removed. He had already grown his hair back. And I remember waking up and physically, I plain as day, seeing him still bald with a Hickman line. And I physically, like my knee jerk reaction was like, I shoved myself, not, I shouldn't say I shoved him. I didn't shove him. I shoved myself away from him and just broke down on the floor next to the bed because, and after that point I was like, holy shit. And it's happened like two or three times. You need to write another book right now because that just gave me chills like that entire Dude, story. It's, well, like, it's, that's, that's it, it's heartbreaking, horrifying. Yeah, like, it's it it was it was a nightmare, and uh, yeah. that was a, that was one of the points where I realized it was like, okay, I do therapy yeah. is a big thing. Your son versus reefer deer. My son versus reefer deer. I think Children's I tell you what. I mean, if he, dude, he kicked the shit out of cancer. I bet he'd beat reefer deer. <laughs> Full size deer. <laughs> We're talking about a kid who took down a terminal cancer. Yeah, I was like, this kid killed cancer. I like him against fucking Francis Ngannou and Mike Tyson. Like one, of my, one of my favorite memes is uh, this Different little... Different strong. One of, my, one of my favorite, like, they, so you see a lot of, like, the, uh, one of my favorite, and I don't want to call them memes, but they, uh, have you guys ever heard of I Draw Childhood Cancer? No. He, he's a guy that does a lot of charity work, and he does, uh, and he's awesome, and I highly recommend anyone listening to go check out his Facebook and his Twitter and all that stuff. He does a lot of really inspirational drawings. But one of them and kind of akin to that, like, I always have to remember, it's like, I have a tough as fuck kid. Like, my kid is super fucking tough. He's not soft, you know? So, like, at this point, I hear my brother laughing because my kids, he, he, he can be a little softy, but, uh, you know, be emotionally. Cancer. Yeah. And but like, one, of, the things, one of my favorite drawings is he has, it says, you know, like, it's a kid standing there and it says, like, I, he has a scab on his elbow. He's like, this is where I fell off my bike. And now they're showing it. 
a scab on his knees. Like this is where, you know, this is where I, I fell, you know, off a stair or something like that. And then it's a little girl holding like up her shirt and it shows the scars across her resection surgery. And it says, this is where they tore the monster out of me. Yeah. And it's like, that's fucking tough as nails. And like every time that bring, like it makes me tear up a lot to even just think about it's silly shit. Like, like, it makes me tear up because it's just like, holy shit. Like my, my son, he's got, uh, he has a resection scar going horizontally across the stomach. He also is the only five-year-old that I know that has tattoos at the moment. Uh, he, uh, he does have four tattoos from his uh, radiation therapy Yeah, to make sure that that, uh, that spot is pinpointed every time they actually tattoo. And so he has four dots on his you stomach. Get him. I've, I've already talked to BG about it. <laughs> like BG knows. I uh, like that. That's that's a thing that's coming. Is I'm definitely I'm 100 having matching tattoos of my kid. Oh yeah, but he's got a, a horizontal resection scar. What made it even worse was uh, after the, all the cancer stuff, we were getting ready to celebrate his last round of immunotherapy. And I don't want to speak too much on this um, for specific reasons, but like he had uh, a cardiac arrest. He had a heart attack, and he, so he also has an exploratory scar going vertically. So he's got a big crosshair. Uh, scar across his chest and stomach because in back in january he um of this year yeah yeah and he or no was it 2021 2020 oh my gosh now i'm blank like it all very much so blends together yeah yeah and he um sorry my my brain was fried for a minute a little bit there i'm just like, oh, oh no, i mean we already we've only picked at your trauma for about 19 minutes of yeah so in january he uh he was having his, um, that Hickman, remember I was telling you about that, the, the central line, uh, he was having it removed and he ended up having car, uh, cardiac arrest on the table. And what was weird. So he's also survived a heart attack on top yeah, of all this. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, he's a tough kid. And it's one of those things where, so during the whole cancer stuff, I was always scared, obviously. And I actually remember talking to a stepfather, Jeremy, about this. And I mean, Jeremy and I, like, we, we, we you know, we get along fine with raising Lincoln and stuff like that. But this was one of the most, this was one of the first times I actually had like a deeper conversation with him and it was out of shared fear. That was, I think for both of us and I don't want to speak for him, but I can sit, relay from the conversation. Yeah, he's, we're not going to have him on here. Probably it's fair enough, but no, like it was one of those things where we had, um, we had a conversation of like, this was one of the first times where he actually thought Lincoln was going to die. Yeah. Like where it was actually like, because he was completely comatose. He was completely out uh, unconscious. He was on, a breathing tube he had he was like he there was he was on a ventilator he wasn't breathing on his own he wasn't and like i remember seeing him and just like i still have pictures and i have a lot of pictures that i don't put out publicly uh they're just reminders for myself of how it could be and like how rough it could be and how much better it is now yeah, uh, there are certain things you just don't share but um and i never will but that is your son yeah but of your son's pretty much dead or personal yeah yeah and and so that's one of those things like i remember seeing him that way and just being like holy shit like my and that was one of the only times where i was like holy shit my son is going to die and that was really 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 hard that was the hard that was way that was almost harder than the cancer back to mike fixes everything back to daddy fixes yeah exactly everything. like yeah like he yeah. finally like the kid finally was like that day was meant to be celebratory we were getting his hickman out and he was going to be able to take his first real bath in you know a year and a half or two years or so and that day turned into i don't know if he's going to make it out of the hospital like that was and what was crazy was, so he, he, that was, you know, he had the heart attack and, you know, he, he was, he ended up in the hospital. He was unconscious and yeah. on a ventilator and everything for an extended period of time. But within, and I say extended, but like 
within like a week, he was able to bounce back. And it was just a huge testament how absolutely resilient he was or is to have him be able to, to like, I remember like there, I have a video of him literally running across the floor and like just talking. And like, I remember the, the first video uh, that I had of him running afterwards. Cause he went that after, this you know, whole process took place between like the, the age that it all happened is usually when kids are doing their, not like, crawling at first but you know they're developing as people yeah and i mean, have to was, watch your son develop in a hospital point. bed and yeah and it was it was terrible and then you know i also it's it's such a weird feeling all of it because like i said he is incredibly resilient but there's also a real sense i guess i don't know how to word it but like while i am forever great that my kid survived survivor's guilt is also kind of a thing and that's a really tricky and Especially difficult. with childhood cancer. Yeah. You know, these people that, oh, you've met in support groups and well, like my brain process. goes to like, I, I have personal friends. I have close friends who have gone through similar things. And uh, I mean, my brother, my, a very close friend of my brother and I's when we were growing up, passed away before, like while in his teens from stage four neuroblastoma. Um, Jay. Jay, Jay, yeah, yeah. Jay Barnett. Yeah. So that was my introduction to neuroblastoma, which, of course, you know, when they told us that it was stage four neuroblastoma, that was like a kick in the teeth because I had already at that point lost one of my closest friends to that disease. Now, mind you, he was also older. Yeah, I think he was 14 when he was diagnosed. 13, it's actually 14. even kind of scary because at 14, it knocked him out. But yeah. And now I have a at the time I was like my two year old who, you know, is now having to go through that same battle. And I was like, shit. And then like this- we and we all know people that have lost you know, lost kids from the same thing. I mean, I, I, I you guys know who I'm talking about with, with Jess and uh, Jess Chamberlain, or uh, yeah, Jess Chamberlain. Um, I always want to say Armstrong, but Chamberlain. And, you know, all of that. And it's like, I can't, sh- I, well, first off, I need to go ahead. And I know we do a lot of shout out, but she was super supportive through all of Lincoln's treatments as well. Like she checked in, she was really great. But then, you know, it's, really you feel guilty getting yeah there's a terrible sense of guilt there because and there's also the in the darker parts of these times you are thinking like what did you do to deserve this what did your kid do to deserve this at that point and now to feel guilt for things working out it's so you can't help it it's an emotion and yeah and and it's yeah it's just it's it's incredibly difficult situation from the start to the finish it's a situation that no one deserves to go through i agree and it's just one of those things where you you don't really even know how to like I don't know like I you know at first like you said what do you your brain goes to what did I do to deserve this and just a general exhaustion it, yeah back. It's, you it's feel ugly. guilty for but then yeah like when 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 everything went well it's like shit what did I do yeah. like why why me and then you start like I said there's guilt and of course like can't help but you know especially when you've been that close to something as dark as and something as as awful as having a child pass when you know people who have had their child their children pass well when well not even taking a part of you it's just a matter of like you don't know it's really really difficult because what life could they have lived yeah and And you just what if yeah and it's it's any parent would probably trade that situation to keep their you know yeah i mean i would i mean i can sit here and easily say even just as a man on my own, like I, if, if it came down to Lincoln or I, I would without hesitation, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd trade time. positions with him 
in heartbeat. And it does, it changes your mindset about everything down the line for at least, I mean, I, I obviously have only been out of, not out of it, but like he's only been NED for two years now Yeah, and it changes your perspective on everything and, and not always in a good way. That's the other thing is like, it's not like, oh, like, you know, you don't like, yeah, there's, there's of course like a new gratitude for life and a new Going gratitude. through a divorce too. You as a, yeah. <laughs> at first your new normal was being a cancer dad in the hospital and now you're still a you know, survivor of a cancer dad and you're still trying to just figure out regular life and it's tough yeah. to figure your new normal out like it is but like like i said it, it just changes your both for good and bad it changes your outlook on life did it affect your religion at all i'll ask that i know that you've always been someone who goes to church did you find yourself being uh, it, i more would invested? absolutely say it drove me closer to my religion i'll even say someone who isn't we were raised in the church and everything after my mom's passing the i feel like the subject i, I wish i hope there's a heaven for her because you know but stuff like that but it's even made me I never thought that I would feel these type of ways, but like he said, I mean, religion, like death brings a lot of people to religion. Like mom started going to church when our dad did. Like, well, yeah, my brother and I always were involved in our church very, very much and like very heavily. But like, I will say it definitely brought me significantly. I, I became significantly more involved in my church. And then on top of that, when COVID came, uh, that brought me much closer to my church as well because I'm a technical guy and I was able to help get the online services up and running too. So like it's between COVID and cancer. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I am very active in my church now. Shout out pastor Mike. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Oh yeah. No pastor Mike, uh, pastor Michael Bynum is dude. He's the best. Absolutely. Love him. He's a wonderful pastor. Very, very forward thinking, really awesome guy. Big shout out. hundred percent. The, the dude kicks ass in every way possible. Yeah. He's awesome. And he was also, and that's, that's another thing is like, even when I was going through all the shit with Lincoln, like Pastor Mike was super supportive of me through that. And this is before I was hyper involved. Like he was like, yeah, he, he was one of the people that was right there to, to make sure that I was okay. And yeah. letting me know, he's like, sometimes you just need to have a beer and like sit. And if you need that, he's like, my home is welcome to you. Like my home is open to you. If you need to come and have a beer and sit and just cry, come do it in my living room. We got it. He was, does your shit. pastor drink? I have had a beer with my pastor. Yeah, he's he's an amazing man. And not, I don't know if there were like rules against like pastors, like not not in just, the Methodist church. No. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> also shout out Pastor Tom when I we didn't. Not many people from church visited my mom in the few years she was in a home, surprisingly. But our, our pastor, who they had nominated in that process of her being in there, came to visit a few times. And I remember we went there. She's like, "I met the new pastor today." I was like, "How is he?" She's like, "I like him a lot." It's almost like pastors are good people. I don't know. I've 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 been he around some dickheads also. True. Yeah. Sh- shout out. Not some pastors. Our church went through like a transition period where we had like seven different pastors in like three the years. Time, even the first time we met him, we had just stumbled into the room, and then the second time I had met him was planning my mom's funeral about five days before, and he was great through the whole process. He's funny as hell. I'll give him that. Still keeps up with both of our heavy metal bands. Always ask when we're playing. I don't have the heart to give him the date because. He doesn't need to see the show. He can't handle the show. Which That's is fair. Joe and the Pussycats live. Joe and the Pussycats. Both bands. I'm a Joe and the Pussycats <laughs> metal and Joe and the Pussycats punk. Which one do you want to see? Yeah, I, I definitely, it definitely did affect the religion. It definitely did um, bring me much closer. Like I said, it's almost like pastors are good people, man. Some. We're not Some. getting yeah, no, I don't we're know. Not, I mean, there's always truth right now. Yeah. No. And yeah, it's to each their own. Yeah. But, but luckily, we both have sick pastors. Yeah, no. I yeah, don't PM go to church. Amazing. But he's 
Very, very cool. Uh, I was actually, I just saw him right before I came here. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The more you know. <laughs> yeah. Good dude. Yeah. So cancer sucks. Do you That's have any advice for other parents who are, would be listening or going through the same thing that Jenny? Oh, God. Silly recommendation that just helped get you through any of this. Reach out. There you people, go. And that's, big time. That oh, yeah. No, that's um, like I said. It's tough because, you know, men, I'm a person that communicates a lot, but as men, they don't often reach out or they're, you know. Ugh. No, and that's, it's something that is so critical that realizing that you're going to need help and accepting the resources that are available to you. I know, like, a lot of it is, uh, I mean, and there's so many different things that you know go through your head with it I, on, on the 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 being a dad end of it you like i said you have that protector mentality and you have that very there's just uh, i guess you could call it pride yeah where you want to make sure that you can fix it yourself but the bottom line is you can't and the only thing you can do is make sure that you you know do what you have to do to get the treatments that you can yeah do what you have to do to protect your children to the best of your ability and also accept that sometimes you're not going to be able to do that. And it's really, that was something that was really, really hard for me. But then also making sure to, to fucking take care of yourself. Like that's, I, there were one of the things that really um, was good advice given to me was making sure, like, it sounds gross, but like fucking make sure you're taking a shower, make sure you eat, like take, and th- that was one of the things the nurses at on the, the pediatric oncology unit were like, they, they consistently would ask like have you eaten and they're you know they're not asking that to be to hound you but they're asking that because it's like the only way you're going to be able to be here to take care of your kid is if you are able to take care of yourself with as much death as i've experienced and even that's one that i'll i'll reach out to people when i see them going through things with their parents and one thing i'm just like you gotta you make sure you eat hydrate and rest these next few days and i'm not kidding and i'll check in a few days later and be like you hydrate, you hydrate and resting because, you know, if not, your body will for you. But it's the things, you know, you don't want food. You don't want water. You no, don't want any of that, but you need it. And I did definitely, you know, that's one thing I recommend to everyone going through. Yeah. And it's, it's just one any of the traumatic process. That, yeah. You know, like uh, just try to like, stay sane. And so the people that know people that are going through it, one of the things that the, the parents feel, at least I know I feel, I can't sit here and speak for other parents. I can't even speak for my son's mother, but like, make sure that if you, if you have friends that are going through it, like check in with them, you isolate, you, you isolate yourself. And I did it too. I mean, I, I didn't talk to fucking it's not anyone. on purpose by any means, but you're also, no, yeah. you're tired of, sorry, you're tired of questions. You're tired of yeah. being treated differently. You're there's yeah. all of that too. Cause I met you, you could tell by the tone, the, are you okay? Yeah. Like you, you get yeah, it. You don't, you don't want pity. Talk to me like a fucking adult. Cause I'm a man yeah, going through. Like, exactly. It's, if it's you want to talk, a, I'll tell you how, but like it's, and you, it's, at, at the, it's easier said than done now than it is at the yeah. time for you to reach out. You're just, well, that's one exhausted. of the things Jason Carter, who is, you know, he's been one of my best friends now. For God knows how long and him and Brian Snyder, both, um, you guys know, Brian, obviously yeah. the two of them, one of the things that I really, and I don't even think I've spoken it to them. So if they're listening to this, uh, hey guys, this is for I you. hope you listen. Um, I hope they Mike's listen. On, yeah. Mike's on, like, yeah, like on I'm the, on the Joe, Joe and Josh, Josh podcast, podcast live. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Presented by Ambition Radio. And, and, and apparently Tesla, Tesla and uh, Newport. And, and Stuart Yeezy's? Little got in on it. Stuart Little presented. Fair enough. And Garfield. The LeBron. Tes- the Tesla Yeezy podcast. Yeah. No, we hate LeBron. But no, one of the things that, I uh, I, yeah, I don't really care for LeBron. Anyway, but I do care for Chris Thiele, who is the LeBron of mandolins. 
No, but like one of the biggest things that that Jason and Brian Snyder did was that they not only kept tabs on me, like as far as like just you know like consistently reaching out, but they never once. I, they I checked in with them yesterday. It's your day to text them. Like I, I, they might have had that kind of conversation. It's your day to make like, sure Mike gets in the show. But like no, I know was, both of those dudes personally. They would just do it because they're good people. They are good people, yeah. and that's why I still love them. That's why they're they're still my two of my best friends. But like. It was, I never had, there was never a pity thing. Like Jason would still text me about hunting. I'd be laying in a, the hospital bed with my son. He would talk about whatever we had to talk about to get my mind off it. And they made sure I was still included on things. So like, for example, we have Brian Snyder and I have a tradition where every good Friday we eat at Long John Silver's. It's a long story, but it's, that's what we do. We go to Long John there's, Silver's there's every good little Friday. little things, man. And so on on Good Friday, obviously, I couldn't leave the hospital. Lincoln was in. Oh, did he bring it to you? You know he did. Oh, God, yeah. no, he brought it to him. He, he masked up and sanitized. And I got, don't think you did. should bring Long John Silver's into a hospital. No, but. He, he well, no, we we got him checked through and cleared with everyone on the on the pediatrics. You ecology. eat Long John Silver? Only on Good Friday. Why? Is it, is it, does it have anything to do with religion? Yeah, because shrimp's okay and meat's not. When, and when we were teenagers, maybe like fi- I was like 15, he may have been like 16, 17. Like it was one of those things where it's like, well, I can't eat meat, but we were hanging out. It's like, well, I can eat shrimp and yeah. we were broke. So we're like, you want to go to Long John Silver's? And we've been doing it now for a decade or so. Like it's been forever. We brought my mom a Red Lobster on her birthday once just because oh, yeah. that was the tradition. And then she gets like threw it away and we were like, you <sighs> fucking bitch. Like that was like, oh, my God. <laughs> dude, her birthday's on Valentine's Day. Joe and I went to the Arundel Mills Red Lobster on Valentine's Day. Our weight, way too expensive. We get it and she was like, but you do it. And you know, that's why, you know. Jeez. Yes. But it was really cool. Like he like little things like that, keeping traditions alive and and just being like normal dudes with your friends is still yeah. if they're going through that kind of thing is so incredibly crucial because yeah. that's one of the like stuff like that is what kept me sane i mean you're already 99.9 percent of your life at that point is cancer yeah and you really need that 0.1 percent to be literally anything but cancer and so, and you so, would feel guilty if you did it on your own but if with your friends help yeah well you become, just yeah well that and it's just you know you feel supported you feel loved you yeah. feel cared about and you and it's that small taste of normalcy because once once you have a kid or once you yourself are diagnosed with cancer like your whole life changes like it's nothing is the same yeah and god forbid during the the treatments like throw normal out the window you know i didn't have like none of us did we didn't have a social life we didn't have normal at all like we lived at the hospital and you know you give everything that you have towards making sure your kid is okay and not that parents don't do that typically, but I mean, when, when you're facing that kind of thing, you forget that there's a world outside of it yeah. and you need to be reminded of it. And I know a lot of my friends between, like I said, Jason and Brian, but then also like Andrew Paget, Beasy, you guys know Beasy, Brady Janorski, Herman Fromm was really, really critical with that as well. Like just keeping me sane, like my friends. Yeah. And of course, like, you know. Yeah. Like your two Husky friends invite you to be on their podcast that they rented. <laughs> Yes, well, I think I imagine it's implied with. Hey, the we invited you, you into here. our basement and picked at your trauma. <laughs> I mean, I imagine you guys implied, like it was implied that yes, I'm very close with the two of you. Joe forgot that the podcast was today until like seven thirty. He was like, "Oh shit!" Thanks, Joe. It's not you. It's it's every. It's I'm Joe's manager, man. That's fair. I, I I'm just like Joe. You have this thing coming up, and he's like, "Okay." 
your life's pretty easy. I'm like, Joe, you have the show. He's like, okay. And then I remind him before. No, I'm out know when things are. <laughs> when are our two concerts coming up? September 2nd and then September 14th, right? Look at you. Maybe the 13th yeah. if it comes through. He doesn't even know. I know bullshit. I'm trying to call himself my manager. I fucking know. manage the shit out of you. I'll manage you into the grave if that's what you want. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, don't be uh, scared to reach out is the moral of tonight. Yeah. I think. Something around those lines, yeah. Or a little baby. Yeah, I still don't know who that it's is. It's up to so. you. Whatever you took away from this. Well, appreciate you listening. You guys have a good one. All right. Sure. <laughs>